welcome to the Voice of the Force Temple Archives. This week is the High Republic Tempest Runner. My name is Noma, and today I am joined by my co-host, Ed. Hello, hello. How's it going? You know, pretty good. It's been an interesting weekend so far, so I'm, yeah, I'm having a good time. Well, that's good to hear. And my second co-host today is, of course, Dan. Hey, how you doing? No, not too bad. How about you? Fantastic. I am excited because this episode has a lot of new stuff in it. We're going to cover an audio yeah. drama and we have something special a little bit later. Mm -hmm. That is very true. And uh, yeah, this book, Tempest Runner, is very interesting. And especially if you've listened to our last couple episodes of Voice of the Force, there is something that goes on in this episode or in this book, I should say, that I think uh, would have been pretty good if it had been applied to some of the other stuff we've been talking about beforehand. But with that little teaser of what's coming up, uh, let's jump into the podcast proper. So, Ed, can you tell the listeners what this podcast is about? Of course. So on Temple Archives, we like we discuss Star Wars canon in the form of books, novels, TV, whatever it might be. But what we do for you, we summarize the story of whatever we're bringing to you. We discuss how it relates to either legends or canon material and just really go over the details of the book and try to figure out where it fits in the timeline for you. Obviously, with this one, it will be High Republic. So that is about 200 years before the episode um, of Phantom Menace. So we summarize that for you, and we let you know this one is an audio drama, so there's a bunch of things going on in it, but it is a very good read. Um, if you want to talk to us about what you thought about it, about this book, if you want to talk about your experience with it, or something you didn't like, or something that you wish they would have done, uh, feel free to contact us. There's many ways to do so. Dan's got a whole list ready to go for you, but remember, 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 audio dramas take a lot of work. If it's a time thing, look, when I saw it, it was six hours, and I was like, man, really? But I really enjoyed it, and hopefully it you flies by. Too. Yeah. Mm. Dan, how can they find us? Let's let us know what they thought. Yeah, you can find us over at voiceoftheforce.com, where you can find our website with all of our episode posts and anything you'd like to know about the team. We have a section on there you can read about us and how we got into Star Wars. You can also contact us through our contact page. We have a shop on there as well. You can buy shirts, you can buy hats, you can buy pretty much anything you can think of with our logo on it if you'd like to support the podcast that way. Uh, you can also find us at uh, voiceoftheforce at gmail.com if you want to email us. And you can find us on social media at voiceforcepod. If you retweet or repost our new episode tweets or posts on those platforms, it does help with sending the word out and growing our listener base and is very much appreciated by everybody on the podcast. You can also listen, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Amazon Music, and all major podcast platforms. Remember, if you review us with five stars on any of those platforms and a comment, it does help with people finding the podcast and uh, helps people kind of figure out, hmm, maybe this is a Star Wars podcast I might want to listen to. And if you subscribe for free or follow for free for the latest episode, you get it as soon as it releases. Speaking of supporting the podcast, we have our first sponsor of the podcast. Take it away, future Dan, Ed, and Noma. Hey, Noma. Have you ever wanted to read a book but couldn't find the time to sit down and read it? Have you ever wished that you could find thousands of titles from hundreds of different categories right at your fingertips? What? No, I have Audible. You know I do as well, right? Like, what? 
Don't tell me you haven't downloaded it yet. How have you been doing this? Wait, no, guys, we need to stick to the script. But what? Why are you acting like this? But, but don't you wish you could just listen to your favorite book titles? Complete with repertoire of noteworthy narrators, scintillating sound effects, and majestic music? And don't just listen to audiobooks, but podcasts, guided wellness programs, A-list comedy, and audible originals you can't find anywhere else? But I already know all this. W what is this, an ad read? Did you say script earlier? Yeah, dude, honestly, what? Like, this, you're being really weird right now. Try a 30-day free trial of Audible today and receive your first audiobook for free. Wait, 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 hang on now. Did you say free? Ed, no. I did, and if you're already a Prime member, you get two free audiobooks with that 30-day free trial. That's two full audiobooks. Oh my god, it was an ad all along. Go to audibletrial.com slash voiceforcepod. That is audibletrial.com slash voiceforcepod to sign up today and listen to some more Star Wars novels. Oh, Ed, not you too. Yeah, and you can even listen to the audio drama we're covering this episode, The High Republic Tempest Runner, which has a full cast of voice actors. The link is in the description of this episode. And we would like to thank Audible for sponsoring this podcast. Someone send help. And welcome back. Remember to listen to the outro to find out what we will be covering in the next episode of Temple Archive. Mm -hmm. I think it's also worth mentioning that aside from, uh, you know, how one of us sounded during that little ad read, we're really excited about this. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but it feels like this it makes us... 15% more official? Yay! <laughs> yeah. It only took us three and a half years, legit. but we got there, yeah. boys! So. It really doesn't feel like it's been three and a half years, though. It's no, crazy. This I, is episode 103. And that that's God a good damn. feeling to me in the sense where it's, like, it's become so fun now that like mm -hmm. the time that's come before and the time ahead is all like... It just feels like we started doing this like a few months ago. I know. It um, does. So, mm -hmm. That's great. Next time, thank you guys a... for being here with us. I was looking at just yeah, SoundCloud yeah. stuff, and I was just seeing the around the world view, listeners and viewers. And I want to really give a shout out to all of you. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Because I mean, you know, without all of you supporting us, but this wouldn't have happened. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's just nice to have to know that we have a little bit of voice in the community, and mm. that the community wants to listen and does shout us out from time to time it's really nice mm -hmm. and we're able to meet so many fun people like in the last episode we had brian balance on we've had vanessa mm -hmm. gambler gamble uh we've also had bobby um on as well from wormwood and hopefully many many more we've also had anthony on as our first guest way way mm -hmm. way back That's when right. we did That's the right. secrets of the empire um so hopefully we'll have some more fun guests on and you guys can look forward to those mm -hmm. and now we just need to expand and grow like and the empire conquer. Yes, or like a certain person, yeah, a certain organization might be doing as well. Although we'll see, because, uh, yeah, this is a nice segue, ironically. But, uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that goes on with the Nihil in this book. So let's get into that. As always, we're going to go over the cover real quick. Uh, you'd have to look it up, unfortunately, since we don't have a, a visual podcast yet. It will be but in the a... episode art if you are on yeah, like right. Spotify, Audible, I believe. Mm. Uh, Amazon Music or Google Play Podcast, maybe. There's a few of them okay. that show the episode art. Apple Podcast, yeah. unfortunately, is not one of them. Uh, and I mean, you know, worst case scenario, you just look up Tempest Runner. It's exactly. the first image, I think. But uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, this time around, art's pretty simple. It is very good, though. We got Lorna D on the front, 
I'm assuming, hard to tell with a mask, plus we've never really seen her, but it looks like uh, the same kind of stuff, or same kind of Nihil gear, same kind of uh, kind of base description that we get in the books. And behind her is what I'm assuming is also the Lorna D, yeah. her ship. <laughs> you didn't know this book uh, might be about Lorna D, maybe? Right? I mean, I didn't know that to start, but I figured it out pretty quickly. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, it, it's a, it's got a really nice... I mean, the one thing that I really enjoy with this is it's got a really nice color uh, contrast. And it's, it's, it's subtle and obvious because it's subtle because you don't really notice it because of the colors that they're choosing. And it's obvious because once you realize it, it's like, yeah, obviously they would. Because Lorna and her ship, well, Lorna and Lorna, basically, are both green. So that contrasts really well with the orangey reds that they've got going on in the background. And it's one of those things where it's like, oh, yeah, that's really cool that they did that to really make these pop. And it's like, well, red and green contrast. So obviously that's why they, you know, we talked about that in Village Bride and it's why Christmas is red and green. So, but it's really, it's done really well to the point where I didn't notice it the first time around. I only really noticed it when we were prepping for this episode. And uh, yeah, I mean, those are my thoughts on it. What about you guys? I thought it was really good. Um, the the look of this is very comic look, like the comic books. Mm -hmm. You see that the the cover of those. Um, yeah, it reminds yeah. me of that. The aspect ratio is like a square, like four by four, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but you, you can tell they made this for ironically, like an audible, like a CD case or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think you can actually buy the CD of this. Uh, oh, okay. Like I think they still sell CDs, but like when you buy an audio drama or audio book on CD right now, like they are ridiculously expensive whereas if you you know do the free trial of audible you can get it free if you get a credit <laughs> <laughs> that's right that's right uh anyway um no i thought the color scheme was pretty good um it's cool to see like the smoke and stuff in the background like there's a battle going on mm -hmm. so it does evoke like she's standing up against somebody but you don't know who that is mm -hmm. right and she's going through some sort of conflict but you don't really see that on the cover, which but is he's cool. in an external conflict or an internal one. Could oh, it be both? My God, Ed, what do you think? Well, I was more curious about the setting because usually with covers like these, like A could be just random and just for effect, or B could have something to do with the plot. So you always want to try to figure out which. And as you listen and as you go through, you keep coming back to it, looking at it. So there's like a couple planets in the background that we see of this battle going on and so far not a lot has been said about them but as we get into the book we'll hear more about settings and places and where they are and i tried to, to see if any one of these two might have been the one tough to say it's just from this picture alone do i like it Eh. usually for me it's like you see the the cover art and you okay i'll look at that first and then i'll look at the description and then i'll hit you know Use credit, get the get the audiobook. Mm. But for this one, I was just more interested in more High Republic stuff, so I barely gave it a glance. I was like, there's more, there's more High Republic here. <laughs> Take it. I want it. I want to know. Um, but looking at it now and really trying to get a look for it, Night Hill gear seems so simple that you can see why they're so stimmed up where they don't feel any resistance or they don't feel as much pain or anything. Because mm. like you see her shoulder looks like it's because I don't think that's a pauldron. So it's just her shoulder just been wrecked. No, I think I think that is a pauldron. Maybe. The one you mean her right shoulder? Yeah. I think it might be. I think it might be like the metal like on her knees a little bit, like the the pocked metal a little bit. 
I hope so. Yeah. I, I hope so too. It looks pretty brutal if it's not. But mm -hmm. but these but just as a look for this, this is a Tempest Runner who went up with an axe against a bunch of Jedi on Valo, right? Mm -hmm. And if she was just in this kind of gear going up against them like that, like that's that's where you see like they're so frenzied and hyped up and stuff like that. Mm. This can really give you a picture for the other books. So I, yeah. I like Noma said before, like this would have been great to come out a little earlier so that we mm -hmm. really could visualize what was happening on Val. Because this paints a whole other picture. Mm. Like you really then, see, sorry, go ahead. Oh, sorry. And and also kind of adding on to your point, I think this also helps explain why no one's really taking the Nihil seriously in these books. Yeah. Because, you know, if it's the Empire, yeah, when it's the Empire and they're all armored up and they've got this, you know, regimented uniformity, you know, uh, that kind of structure and leadership makes people scared because it makes you seem like they're competent. When you're tatted up in leather or when you're, you know, dressed up in leathers with a bit of metal and a bunch of stims and you look like a raider pack, people are like, ah, it's just a pirate threat. Who cares? Yeah. So, you know, at least they're taking it seriously now, but it kind of helps, I think, reinforce why no one was taking them super seriously and the first couple books. I agree. Mm -hmm. Also, right. I thought just by listing her mask was going to be a little more terrifying. Something probably like yeah. a leash mask. This just yeah. seems like, yeah, no, it's just a hazmat thing. Like, we obviously know why they need them, mm. but and it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't hit you. It's the same problem I had with the Trandoshans in the Book of Boba Fett and like mm -hmm, the new mm -hmm. stuff like that. Like, I get costs and everything. But this does not look terrifying. When like, somebody mm. busts on your door, it was like, huh, it's like, okay, it's a person in a mask. Yeah, but exactly. all the other Tempest Runners, make, unless they're stims or whatever they're on or the spice, when they're looking the at it, it might, yeah. Yeah, it might warp it somehow. Mm -hmm. So I'd, I'd like to hear more about that. But, but yeah, no, you're, you're definitely, yeah, no, you're definitely right. This doesn't scream like terror attack to me. Maintenance it, crew. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, with that kind of wrapped up, let's head into kind of going over who uh, helped out with this audio drama. I'm going to give the spoiler warning right here, though, just because as we go over the full cast, since this is an audio drama, so there's a whole bunch of people giving the voices for this. I'll be talking about the characters. Those are kind of spoilers. So if you haven't read Tempest Runner, you know, we're going to go all ahead full steam as we always do. We're going to assume you've read the book. We're going to give you that brief synopsis, but we're going to say everything about it. So if you haven't read Tempest Runner, go read it now or listen to it on Audible and then come back and, uh, you know, enjoy this podcast. So with that being said, final spoiler warning, spoilers are ahead and let's get into it. So for Tempest Runner, the author is Kaven Scott. The cover artist is Katrina Belakova. And for the full cast, we've got a whole bunch of names here. So I'll try to get through them quick enough, but give them the respect that they deserve. So we've got Jessica Almazi as Lorna D. We've got Dan Bittner as Counselor Wittick. We've got Orla Cassidy as Ola Hest. Sullivan Jones as Bala. January Lavoie as Tasha. Kathleen McInnery as Counselor Fry. Tara Sands as Sestin. Vicus Adam as H709 and Rayleigh. Jonathan Davies as Andrick Keller and Asgar Rowe. Neil Helligers as Kasev. Udaya D and Jano, Saskia Marleveld as Avar Chris and Par, Sonila Nankani as Keeve Trennis and Muglin, Mark Thompson as Pen Ada, Skier and Martian Rowe, and Shannon Teo as Nib Asik and Quinn. If I have butchered or mispronounced any of your names, I apologize. 
But yeah, we got a full cast, and they're doing a whole bunch of people, and I think they all bring a pretty good voice performance to this uh, to this book, especially you know for some of the returning ones that we've heard before, because you know there are certain points in the book where I think they were trying, like in the book, they were probably trying to ke- keep the characters ambiguous, but as soon as we heard the voices, since they've been in other books, they're like, oh, I know who this is, and you know we'll get into that a little bit more as I jump into this synopsis, which let's get into that right now. <laughs> So this book starts off with kind of this dusty, dingy bar in the middle of nowhere. They might have said the name. I don't really remember, unfortunately. But we basically get this mysterious character, definitely not Panada, kind of sitting there just being as this guy comes in and gets a drink and then starts talking with him. And is basically like, hey, I, I need some pe- I'm putting together a crew for a job. And... Not Panada is like, oh, what's the job? And we get basically this uh, very long-winded description of these things being described to us where it turns out this guy is a Nihil, and he's looking to put a crew together to rescue Lorna D. And we kind of get a little bit of a backstory there on why this happened. And it turns out that after the uh, Republic Fair and Valo and all this other stuff, the Republic really started cracking down on the Nihil. And so Lorna D and her crew tried to take out an outpost that would kind of alert the Republic to Nihil presence. And they tried to do it quick and fast and in such a way where they wouldn't get out a distress signal in time. They don't at all. It fails horribly. As they're doing the attack, the Jedi show up to try and repel them. We got a lot of cool returning characters. Like, you know, I kind of mentioned earlier in the book or in the book, in the cast. So we get Keeve Trennis coming back. We get Skier. We get Avar Chris. We get a bunch of other characters coming back. And with them as well, we're getting a, a smaller minor backstory where it's these two friends they're so important i don't remember their names now but these two friends who are like oh yeah we signed up to help out the republic we're going to be part of this blackwing squadron we're going to take it to the night hill nothing's going to go bad because we're young and plucky and full of spirit and uh yeah uh, one of them dies in that but basically with all these people coming back and also with um keeve and skier we also get a reference back to sarah and Tarek also kind of being with them and and helping out with this operation. And yeah, they they just obliterate all of the Night Hill's defenses. But Lorna D, being the kind of crafty lady that she is, sets up a decoy, which is basically she dresses up the droid on her crew like her, makes it look like she went down in battle, and then has a thermal detonator on the body so that when they go to try and uh, confirm if it's her or not, it explodes, and that's where that one of those two plucky Starfighter pilots bites the dust as it were. Uh, but the day doesn't reset, Jojo humor. Um, <laughs> sorry, I think I almost killed Ed there. Um, but yeah, so as that's happening at the same time, that character that I was talking about that was talking to Panada in the present basically tries to escape. He's giving this really crazy retelling about like how terrifying it is and how everything's going to shit. And Lorna D saves her at the last second because Skier is like running after him. And the guy even gives this thing where he's like, yeah, so you know how... Um, they're the Jedi are supposed to be peaceful and everything like that. I've seen Trandoshans hunt and kill people before. This guy was gonna do that to me. You know, we kind of know that Skier has that little issue with balance as well, so we're a little bit curious too. He controls himself right up until Lunity axes him in the back. Uh, so again, you know, she's just going at it, chopping up Jedi with this, but it doesn't kill Skier. He manages to knock her out as this other guy gets an escape pod after Lunity said, Don't leave without me, and then leaves without her as soon as she sees that she's been knocked out. 
and so he basically, you know, we with all of this kind of wrapping up, we come back to the present, and the guy's like, yeah, so you know, you look tough. Uh, I'm gonna get a crew together, and I know where Lorna D is, so we're gonna we're gonna go to Starlight Beacon, we're gonna bust her out. And Panetta's like, cool, thanks for telling me the information, and then ices him, just immediately, just kills him. And it's like, now that I know where she is, I'm gonna go kill Lorna D because Panetta is still fucking unkillable. And uh, yeah, from there we kind of transfer back to Lorna D. And she is basically, like the guy said, on Starlight Beacon, wakes up, kind of comes to, and then immediately, basically, when she realizes what's happening, is like, oh yeah, Lunity's dead. I'm Sal. Totally. 100%. And it works with everyone except for one of the people who was on her crew, basically, and saw everything that happened and went down already. And that is... uh, It's a... uh, Te- sorry Tasha. Tasha yeah Tasha sorry Tasha who is a Cathar as we learn later on so uh I mean that was interesting bringing some stuff in from Swotor and, and uh, older lore but yeah basically they set up this very tense tense kind of bond where Tasha's like why shouldn't I sell you out you are like I could get a lot of stuff out of this. And also, I kind of skipped this in the beginning. Uh, Lorna beat the shit out of Tasha before the attack happened because she asked her a que- she asked Lorna a question. So she's like, why the fuck should I keep your secret? And Lorna's like, because uh shit. Uh <laughs> yeah, and so basically she gets taken in, is questioned by this Mon Calamari, and kind of just gives them a lot of really ambiguous answers. But with that, she's kind of reminiscing at the same time as this guy's trying to get info out of her. And we get a backstory into Lorna D where basically she was part of the ruling family of this kind of, um, what's the polite way to say it? Shithole planet. Yeah. Shithole colony. Colony, Yeah. (laughs) Uh, on the planet Aloth. And basically the, kind of thing that we get is that Lorna was very impulsive, but very much cared about her family, but butted heads with a lot of them. Everyone except for her younger brother, basically, because her older sister and her dad were both very straight and narrow, like very proper Twi'leks. Basically, uh, Cham's and Dula, but a lot dumber uh, than than Cham. But there, we get this thing where basically there's this big problem happening with Aeloth, there hasn't been a crop cycle for like three cycles, they've said. So everyone's starving and all of the citizens are getting really angry and trying to revolt and all that other stuff. And Lorna's dad and sister just don't seem to be doing anything. And Lorna's big thing is there's a lot of spice on the planet, but her dad doesn't want to do that because it's elite, you know, it's drugs, basically. But Lorna's like, yeah, but everyone's starving to death and everyone's getting angry. What are you going to do? And apparently her dad's plan is I'm just going to wait and just something will happen which is why i'm saying dumber cham because at least cham would have tried to actively do something to help his people so from there we learn a couple of other things this is lorna young obviously so not quite as street smart as she is now so to kind of sum up everything that happens in this part of the book one of her it's ambiguous whether he was still her boyfriend or an ex-boyfriend comes back his name's bala and he's a twi'lek who is very clearly into uh, smuggling spice and slaves because he's also working with the Zygerians 
And uh, he basically shows up and is like, oh, Lorna, you know, there's all this spice here. We should really do something about this. I know. Let's overthrow your family. And then we'll make you the new leader and everything will be great. And I mean, I'm sure all of us at that point were like, great. So, I mean, he's just going to use her for this. So he does. He basically sets up uh, with all this stuff because the palace security had enough of the family as well. So the peasants, the peasants, the citizens revolt. The palace guards let them in, and then Bala convinces Lorna to open up the the say, the vault that her family's hiding in. And then, surprise, surprise, uh, it turns out Bala is going to be the new head of the planet anyways. They kill her entire family and then uh, drug Lorna and sell her into slavery to the Zygerians. Uh, and we get some other stuff from there. I'm going to kind of streamline all of, because it keeps bouncing back and forth, but I'm just going to streamline the whole backstory for Lorna. She sold into slavery with the Zygerians. Uh, it's horrible. It's awful. She tries to to kind of speak up. She gets punished heavily for it. The only person that she really talks to is this human uh, woman who gets sick. And when the Zygerians are about to execute her, the human woman for being sick, uh, the Jedi show up, but basically squash the entire operation, but not before the Zygerian slaver fights Lorna, beats the shit out of her, and then tries to shoot her, but the human girl's still clinging to her, so she takes the bullet instead. It's very ambiguous at this point because Lorna basically says she jumped in front of the blast when she's retelling the tale. When we cut back to her remembering of it, it's, yeah, it's very ambiguous on whether or not that actually happened or Lorna just used her as a human shield, basically, in a panic. But that's what Lorna says. And, you know, we don't even know if she remembers it that way or not. But she's basically the only casualty, this human woman. And then we get a cool callback because... uh, a Jedi, whose name starts with a D, and I can't remember because he didn't seem fam- familiar, shows up to help out. But this Jedi's master is Opal Rancis, who is a member of the Jedi Council in the prequel trilogy. So, you know, we've got a bearded snake man now who's shown up and basically is like, huh, Lorna. Uh, well, she doesn't know that. Or sorry, Opal Rancis doesn't know her name's Lorna because Lorna at this point is using her slave number. And then from there makes up a fake name. She uses her brother's name. And he's like, yeah, we should do something. Well, I'll send you back to Ryloth. And Lorna's like, no, don't do that. And he's like, okay, I'll send you to a military academy. And she's like, what? <laughs> it's a very strange move on his part. But yeah, so she she's sent to Karita Academy, which is a nice other small nod to, you know, older canon. And it doesn't go well because while Lorna's really good at all the military stuff, she hates being told what to do. And her cadets, her fellow cadets try to like pull rank on her, which is really stupid. Uh and only important because one of them, who she basically almost kills, it beats him to the point where he's not breathing. Uh, we'll come back later on. But basically, yeah, she does that and then steals a fighter and just just gets out. Just is basically like, fuck this, fuck all of you guys, I hate it here, I'm gone, and just leaves. And also kind of sabotages the, the only other ship at, that's at, uh, available at the time so that when they try to chase her, it doesn't work. And she's like, yeah, fuck this shit. So from there, it kind of wraps up. There is another flashback. I'll talk about that later. But it basically comes down to a thing where they're like, oh, uh, we're going to send you to this prison ship and you're going to work there and you'll do all this stuff and try to help all these planets that are not having a good time. It's going to be great. You're going to be a productive member of society, blah, 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 blah. So she goes there and... Like, it's okay. The It's a very tense situation for her because Taisha basically goes like, hey, uh, now that we're in a prison, you're going to be watching my back. And if you don't, I'm going to tell everybody you're Lorna D. And also, uh, there's a cloud who is who is from your Tempest, who's also here with us. I told her too. So if anybody fucks with us, 
you better protect us or we're just going to tell everybody you're Lorna D. And we know a little bit about the other person. She'll be important later, but her name's Quinn. And she's just like, she really seems like someone who's out of her element because they're just like, yeah, here's Quinn. She's kind of just bookish and nerdy. And you're like, how the fuck are you a Nihil then? But we'll, we'll get that explained later on. Um, so the prison ship that they're on, it's the, what's it called? It's the redemption or the restitution. 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 Yeah, the restitution. Um, basically, they've got the, like I said, they've got this cycle where they go around and they help out planets and they try to do all this other stuff. Uh, so as Lorna's trying to, you know, figure out the hierarchy and how to survive, we're introduced to a couple of important characters. Um, one of them is Sestin, who is an older Twi'lek woman who basically uh, comes over to Lorna and is like, hey, Twi'leks, let's stick together so that we don't get the shit kicked out of us. Uh, and then immediately regrets that because uh, Tasha starts getting the shit kicked out of her. And Lorna's like, well, I have to do something. And, <laughs> and Sestin's like, no, you don't. Stay down. And she's like, <laughs> gets up and goes and uh, basically fights off the attackers, gets sent to the infirmary at the same time. And we kind of learn from there that the main head honcho of the prisoners is uh, this lady called Ola Hest, who turns out to be a real fucking piece of shit. But yeah, she's the head honcho. She's the big uh, ringleader of this prison. Everybody has to listen to her. She's got all the muscle, all this other stuff. And she has accused Tasha of stealing her comlink. And so that's why they, they were attacking her. And then Lorna comes in, beats the shit out of two of her muscle, and then gets the ship kicked out of her as well. Uh, from there, we're also introduced to a bunch of the correctional facility officers. And the one who's important here is Officer Whittem. Whittick? Whittick, sorry. And counselor, because not off. Yeah, sorry. Remember, yeah, that's they're, right. They're that's right. They call themselves counselors. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're, they're social workers with stun batons. Um, yes, because they basically, he basically comes in and sees something in Lorna or well, Sal. And so they start talking and he's also at the infirmary a lot. So they end up just kind of getting to, well, getting to know each other ish, except for the fact that Lorna is still incredibly defensive around him, obviously. So at that same time, it doesn't really help her standing in the, in the prison ship because when she gets back, everyone's like, oh, well, I mean, the officer was going in to see her like all the time. Clearly they're, you know, what's doing the... it bumping uglies. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, what's the most polite way to say this? But yeah. So basically from there, the prison ship stops by a planet. They go down and start working. It's not fun. Lorna's just stuck with a lot of garbage. And like I said, the officer that she beat the shit out of at Karita Academy, uh, Laluton, is now the person in charge of the prisoners on the planet. And so basically what happens there is she's working with Sestin with these really shitty power tools. It basically falls on Lorna and pins her, which is ironic because in one of the flashbacks, the very first thing we see in her flashbacks is, is her writing a blurg way too hard and it collapses on her and pins her. So it's, it's almost just... shot for shot the same. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. And pretty even much. With what her, the little brother and Sestin said, they say the same thing and she's like, no, yeah, no, yeah. no, it's fine. I, I love that they did oh, that no. though. Cause yeah. it shows that like, no matter She's how much learning. she tries to escape her past, though, like it's gonna follow her through her life. It's just, it's just these, yeah, continuous cycles. Yeah. Mm. So uh, they can't raise comms, so Sestin runs to try and get help. Laluton shows up and is basically like, "Oh, haha! I've known it was you all along, Lorna D. You're the way they describe it isn't great in the book, but in the title it makes more sense. We're like, oh, those head tails. Anyone would recognize you? And I'm like, really? That's aren't they that? But when you see the cover and you can see her the specific... very specific, yeah, the markings on her head tails, then it makes more sense. Exactly. Because they are very unique. And he's like, yeah, you fucked up my life, and now I'm going to get revenge by getting a bunch of money if I contact Starlight Beacon. 
And Lorna D is like, well, joke's on you. There's no signal out here. And he's like, ha ha. And then he gets a signal, which was very confusing. Maybe he right. just had like a not shitty comm link. But as the Starlight Beacon thing pops up and La Luton's about to sell out Lorna, he gets shot in the back and just immediately dies. And it's uh, it's Tasha, And she's like, ha ha. Now that I'm here and crushes the comm link, he's like, now I'm going to show you the mastermind behind all of this. It's the man who can't die. Pan Ada, get in here. Hey. And, and he shows up on his like ventilator, hobbling in, being like, I'm here to kill you, Lorna. And we get a flashback as well to now basically explaining how Lorna joined the Nihil, which was really interesting. So she somehow got a Beskar helmet and was kind of half pretending to be a Mandalorian, mostly just not correcting people. And she's approached by, ironically, Bala, who come comes to her and is like, hey, we've got a problem. We've got these people raiding our spice shipments, and we need to get rid of them. How much will it cost? And he doesn't recognize Lorna because she's got the helmet on. And it's actually set up ahead of time that she had her head tails sticking out of the helmet, but she's now covered them up. So she's got a hood with the helmet, so she just looks more like a kind of typical human Mandalorian at this point. And so they set a price. Lorna actually has a plan that actually gets a storm killed. Uh, where ba basically sets up the this ship to be a death trap for the Nihil so that when they get in, uh, she's able to kill the entire crew. She kills the storm who comes in to try and get revenge and then gets ambushed by Panada after she because she thought that was everybody. And Panada sees something in her, and he is the he is one of the, the three Tempest runners at this point. Um, and so he basically brings her in and is like, hey, you're part of my crew. If you're willing to do this, what would your price be? The price is she basically goes back to Aloth, raises the entire planet. It's implied, but never said, you know, crushes the population to make them start working on the, on the spice mines and then just executes Bala after revealing everything and just toying and taunting with him. And uh, yeah, so that basically explains how she joined the Nihil. Yeah, so basically from there, we go to uh, Lorna's first real interaction with the Nihil as a whole, where she meets Asgar, and there's this stuff that goes on where it seems like a celebration, and she meets Kossiv and, and all these other members of the Nihil. Uh, Kossiv, of course, being the guy that we saw in the first High Republic book, who was such an important character. I forgot who he was until a certain point. And uh, yeah, basically, the, the celebration kind of culminates with Asgard being like, look, we all have an agreement and we all work on that. And some people aren't working on that. So he drags out the third Tempest Runner, who we'd never seen before for reasons we'll, we'll get into in a moment. And he's like, yeah, this guy was doing all these raids and he was taking paths and he wasn't paying his dues and he was doing this all behind our backs. So we're going to execute him for a traitor. And as he goes to execute him and we get Martian kind of popping up and seeing a little bit of Asgard and Martian's relationship, which is not good to say the least a uh, very cold but as he goes to execute him uh this tempest who i don't remember his name it's not very important honestly uh breaks free and charges asgar and everyone's like oh my god protect the eye someone do something and lorna intervenes and at this point she's had her her teeth filed into points as well so she it's very unclear what she does but basically blinds him at the very least and it's implied probably kills him with her teeth and is basically like, haha, I saved the eye. What's happening? And Asgard's like, well, I guess you're the new Tempest Runner. And I was like, well, what the fuck? Because she was a storm at this point. So she's jumped up quite a bit. Um, 
And yeah, she, that's how she became Tempest Runner was by saving Asgar. So from there, with all this kind of stuff wrapping up and Panetta being very much, as we kind of see, a very spurned lover. Where he's like, I thought we would rule side by side and we would do all this stuff and blah, blah, blah. And then you betrayed me. And I was like, I didn't betray you. I, gave, I didn't know Marshawn was going to inject you with a toxin. I was like, yeah, but then you gave me something that wouldn't work. He's like, I never said it would work. I just said it was an antitoxin. It's like, oh, I'm going to kill you. Um, and from there, basically, Seston comes back and a, a bunch of other stuff happens where basically Lorna is able to get free. Well, Lorna plays dead, which makes Pan Ada go fucking nuts. And it's also hilarious because she had just finished explaining on how that's how she got the drop on his storm was by playing dead on yeah before she joined the Nihil. And so she does the exact same trick. It works on Panada and she's able to knock him down. And then basically with Seston also showing up, push him down a cliff. And she's like, yes. And this time he is definitely dead. Dio's never coming back, guys. He's fucking gone. He's mm. after part one. He's never going to show up again. <laughs> Basically that like and when she pushed him down the cliff, I was like, all right, well, OK. And so a lot of stuff is happening with this. There's a whole bunch of a mess. But we basically cut back to the restitution and uh, Wittick is kind of interviewing Lorna. And she's basically spun this whole story to make it just look like um Luton was murdered by Panada, and Tasha's innocent, and Seston's innocent, and everybody's innocent. And a bunch of people escaped in this like proto Nihil raid that Panada put together. But um, Wittick is like, "Yeah, everything's fine. Everything's okay. What the fuck is happening with you? Please explain." Because all this stuff, and then there's some. There's been a bunch of other incidents on the restitution. She's like, Wittick is just like, "Look, just, just tell me, please, just trust me. I, I." so desperately want to actually rehabilitate someone because I just keep seeing these people come and leave and then come back and leave. And I just want to prove that I can fix one person. Can, can I try to help you? And Lorna is also just remembering all this other stuff at the same time from this encounter with Panada. So the culmination of her flashbacks are basically... Uh, when Once she became Tempest Runner, she was approached by Kossiv and Panada, and they're like, what the fuck? did you do because we learn they had set this whole thing up so that the other the tempest runner who died was going to actually kill asgar so that martian would be put in control as the eye as a puppet because they don't like the fact that you know we've kind of they've kind of explained this in the other books they don't like the fact that uh asgar was taking money for what they thought was basically nothing because even though he was giving them paths they didn't think it was worth it so like we were going to make martian a puppet and then we were going to take more of the money so now we're going to do it again, and this time you better fucking help us. And Lorna's like, uh-huh, uh-huh, that sounds good. Hey, Asgar. Uh, and that just immediately goes to Asgar to tell him this plot. And she's like, yeah, so if I do this, we'll be, you know, buddy-buddy, and we'll be, like, equals, and then I'll be the only Tempest Runner, and I'll get some power. And I goes like, yeah, that's a cool idea. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to manipulate you and use you to get them, the other two Tempest Runners, killed by the Tagrutans, and then uh, we'll just get some new Tempest. And Lorna's like... Lona's not happy at all because, yeah, she was like, okay, I'll put everything on the line. And it backfired horrifically. So we now get an answer to a question we've been wondering since the first book because she basically goes, hey, 8-7, I need a really small ship that can get to Asgar as fast as possible. And 8-7's like, okay, how much is that info worth to you? And Lona goes, it's worth a mind wipe. And just fucking mind wipes 8-7 right there as a remote feature that she installed in him. And goes off to confront Asgard, and we don't get a confirmation on what happens, but she then returns later on as they're doing the funeral for Asgard, 
and uh, both Kasev and Panhater are like, what the fuck did you do? And she's like, I do, who cares? I did it. It's done. And Kasev's like, yeah, but we can't trust you anymore. And she's like, fuck that. If anything happens to any of us, we're all going to go down at the same time now. I think we're all at the same point here. And then they also then all get blindsided because they were like, oh, Martian's this little wimp. Who cares? He's going to be easy to control. And then Martian, as they're all talking to each other and kind of confiding in this, immediately just walks up to the funeral pyre, gives a big speech to wrest control of the Nihil to him, as we then see in the first uh, High Republic book, and then starts the pyre. And it's literally to the point where Kossiv is like, what the, what just happened? And Panhead is like, oh god, we underestimated him, didn't we? And so, yeah, we get basically the culmination of of explaining what, uh, what the power structure of the Nihil is from the first book. So from there, Lorna kind of con- with all these conflicted emotions and, you know, very clearly being someone who has not had many people on her side ever in her life with Wittick now kind of con- being like, please let me help you, admits who she really is. Unfortunately, that secrecy doesn't last too long because a couple of days later, she gets into some more shit and it gets really bad because basically we learn a little bit about the person I mentioned earlier, Ola Hest, and why she's the head honcho, where she was basically a hut enforcer for Gardula the Hut, as we learn. So another nice little callback to the prequels. And basically the entire reason that she's in this prison is because she went to collect protection money from a children's orphanage. Yep. And the the people in charge said no, so she destroyed the orphanage and killed everyone. And then a Jedi who really missed a chance to actually do some good, tracked her down and dragged her kicking and screaming to um, to the prison, basically. And was intimidating enough, at least, that Gardula gave up the Enforcer because he dragged her, whoever the Jedi was, dragged her out of Gardula's palace. Yeah. So, you know, clearly meant some business, but unfortunately didn't kill her, which would have been a lot more useful. So Ola pulls some really sick shit where basically... Uh, we learn that um, Sestin has two kids that she really wants to see once she gets out of prison. And at that point, I was like, cool, so you're dying at some point. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, we also learned she's a couple weeks from getting out and finishing her sentence. So it's like, cool, I know how this go- this trope goes. Right. So Ola has used her connections to blackmail Sestin into killing uh, Taisha because she learned that, oh, she did actually have the... Uh, comlink and i want to destroy uh sal so in order to do that she gets her resources to kidnap sestin's kids and is like if you don't kill taisha i'm gonna kill your kids so sestin goes to the infirmary to kill her because i forgot to mention this but taisha's in a coma after uh panetta basically in a fit of rage as lorna was pretending to play dead basically throttles her into taisha into a coma yeah that's the scary um, part yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's a Doatin. I don't, you know, it's we've like seen how, how terrible. Yeah, seriously. I mean, you know, Ninth Sister was a good example of how yoked they are. So, Sestin goes to kill Taisha. Lorna intercepts her, basically no- knocks Sestin to the ground, and then kills Taisha instead, so that everything will be okay. And then when every when they come to arrest her, admits that she's Lorna D, but also gives up Ola and the whole thing, so that they're both thrown into solitary confinement. Which works for a little bit as Lauren is kind of mocking Ola and being like, look, I gave up everything. I was completely clean. So Sestin's kids are safe now. You're done. 
you're you're done. There's nothing that's going to happen anymore. Everything's safe. I don't care if anybody knows who I am. I'll figure the shit out. As she's saying that, and Ola Hess is like, oh, don't worry. I've got a way to get out of this. Almost on cue, the, sh- the restitution starts getting attacked. And Lorna starts freaking out and is like, is this you? Are you doing this? And Ola's like, no. And then Lorna goes, oh, fuck, it's Panada. He's not because dead. The, because the man can't fucking die and has infinite resources, apparently. He's the Terminator. But He's coming back for you. Kinda, right? So, again, I'll kind of summarize this whole part because a lot of stuff happens. But, basically, Pan's makeshift Nihil-ish force hits the restitution, floods it with uh, war cloud gas, hits the inhabitants, opens all the cell doors, so a riot starts. Lorna's able to wrest enough control of the situation to make a ragtag crew, which is her... Ola has Ola has two minions, uh, Quinn, uh, Sestin, Wittick, another guard who isn't super important but is just an asshole, and like one or two other people, and they basically have to fight their way. They try to fight their way to an armory. They find that it's been obliterated by scrap droids, and they lose the other asshole guard on the way. Continue fighting their way through various situations until Panada comes onto the ship's comms and basically says, "Hey." I'm gonna. I've set the ship to blow up in 30 minutes. The only way that we're not gonna watch you all die in the explosion is if someone brings Lorna D to me. Ola has to immediately tries to betray her, and Lorna's like, "You know what? No, actually, take me to Panada. This will work." So they all take Lorna to Panada, and Lorna, again showing her smarts, turns Panada's crew against him in a very realistic Rome, way. Sorry, continue, continue. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, t- sorry, turns the crew in a very realistic way because she goes, hey, do you understand that Panada literally just wants me dead and then w- will die and the rest of you are completely fucked? He doesn't give a shit about any of you. You realize that, right? You've all come here to die. Did he say he was going to give you something? Because look at him. He's not going to give you anything. And Panada actually is like, yeah, I'm just going to kill you. And so the crew are like, Panada's crew are like, okay, uh, stand down then put the gun down like we're not letting you do this then because we don't want to get screwed over afterwards you said you would protect us from hitting a republic ship and so from there they're able to get pan ada uh basically subdued tied up and as they're trying to figure out what to do uh we get a revelation here because this is also i've kind of glossed glossed over it but this is where quinn really steps up and we learn like oh she was just it's still kind of vague on how she became a nihil but she's a really useful nihil because she's able to actually take over the scav droids at this point and turn them on whoever she wants so when they try when panada tries to attack her with scav droids he just turns on he uh sorry quinn turns them all on him and that also helps panada's crew be like oh well we're not fighting murder droids as well as pan so unfortunately here we get well unfortunately but it's a great story piece we learn here as well that Wittick has a heart condition that has made it so that he's probably not going to live much longer. And at that same time, the fact that he's hiding it from Lorna ends up being a huge mistake because Lorna takes that as a sign that he wasn't actually trying to help her. He just wanted to accomplish something for himself to feel good so that he could then die with no regrets. And she's like, God fucking damn it. Every time anyone acts even remotely nice to me, it's for their own goddamn gain. It's never about me. It's never anyone trying to actually be a nice or a good person. None of those fucking people exist. It's always assholes like you trying to make me do things. And she's just 
absolutely had it. And from her backstory, we can understand why. So she gets on the comms to the remaining surviving prisoners on the ship and basically goes, hey, here's the person behind the attack. It's Panada. You all know by now he was going to kill all of you, including the ones of you, the prisoners here who were from his Tempest originally. This is how much he means to you. He's going to ice all of us just to kill me. So, and then she kills Panada, and he's finally fucking dead. <laughs> so happy about that. Are we but, sure? God, I hope so. But, uh, oh, it's actually have two brains and two hearts. Uh, oh, they're no. in his big toes. Yeah, they're actually proto Gendai. And so, uh, anything short of, yeah, right. But as, uh, Wittick and Sestin are both basically having their own separate mental breakdowns because they're watching Lorna go from the person who was trying to become better back to Lorna D. Uh, she goes, so all of you prisoners, if anyone wants to live, who wants to join me? And they all agree, clearly. And she basically goes very cold at this point, Lorna, as she turns and goes, all right, well, Wittick and uh, Sestin, I've got to kill one of you. She literally says to Sestin, like, I really wanted you to meet your kids. And I'm like, holy shit, Lorna. Like, I don't think you're going to kill her, but that is an ice cold line. And Wittick says, there's only enough juice in that blaster for one more shot. And she's like, well, you don't know that. But if that's the case, and the chapter cuts out with a blaster shot. Such a good so cut, the, too. Yeah, it was, it was a great, uh, great decision. But yeah, that basically wraps up the book. We get the epilogue afterwards where the Republic finds a single escape pod floating around. And they they get it, and the only person inside is Sestin, so we get the confirmation of who she wanted to use the blaster bolt on. And Sestin has definitely pulled herself together, at least. She's come to grips with what's happened, and she gives them an update where um, they're like, what happened? The ship was attacked by Nihil. Where's the restitution? I don't know anymore. How did you get here? My friend Sal put me in an escape pod and let me escape. Is she still alive? I'm No, she's dead. And it's like, yeah, it, she is. But now we got Lorna D back, and now we know more about her. And then the very final part is uh, Jinix, the you know the the new Tempest that we saw from the last book, contact getting contacted by Martian, and Martian's like, ah, oh, good, you survived. How many ships do you have? And Jinix is like, I got I got nine ships. And he's like, what about your flagship? And I no, the Jedi, the Jedi came in and it's gone. And uh, Martian's like, all right. Uh, well, meet me at these coordinates then, and we'll start rebuilding the Nihil, because I've got something that is incredibly powerful. And Jenix is like, what about Lorna D? And Marshawn's like, ah, she's dead. Don't worry about it. I got something better than Lorna D. And Lorna D's like, oh, well, I gotta hear this! And then, just bursting into the comm channel, and they're both like, oh my god, Lorna's alive? Um. Hi. Welcome back! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we can tell that Lorna's very much resolved herself to to not be controlled by anybody anymore because oh, yeah. she's got Quinn who she's now upgraded to Storm which is very fair because damn she's a pretty good slicer from this book mm. to and it turns out she's a good gadgeteer as well because she's rebuilt Lorna's helmet and basically Marshawn asks her like what are you doing where like where were you why couldn't we hear from you and Lorna just ignores him and Marshawn's like I asked you a question he's like yeah, yeah, yeah I'll talk to you once I'm dressed puts on the helmet is like ah oh, that's better and Marshawn's like, yeah, where were you? The Republic said you were dead. And she's like, yeah, my death was greatly exaggerated. I was just biding my time. 
And that's kind of where we we wrap up this book. And I've got to say, for a six-hour audio drama, this was a this was really good. I was surprised how good it was. I think adding with the special effects and the music, as well as the full cast of ensemble of, of characters, mm. it really paints a story. Instead of just having one narrator, this is like this is the first audio drama we've done, mm. and had like multiple voice actors doing different roles, and I think it mm. really adds to the immersion and. This, there was a lot packed in there for six and a half hours, mm-hmm. but man, did it ever paint a picture. Oh, seriously. And so let's get to the thing that I, I mentioned in the beginning mm. of this podcast, which is, man, Caven Scott did a really, really good job with Lorna's character arcs. It's, oh, yeah. it's yeah. a little bit cliched, but it's done very well. And Book of Boba Fett takes some fucking notes on this. Because this is a character arc, right? Lorna starts off as basically pretty much Lorna D from the books we've seen her in. Mm -hmm. And then through basically just flashbacks and interactions with two characters, becomes a whole new person, destroys that person, and comes back as Lorna D with a new personality, set of skills, and resolve. And it's... You know, I don't want to shit on Book of Boba Fett too much, but we were talking so many episodes in a row about how there's just this character change comes out of nowhere and it's never really explained. And there's never any focus that's really given to it because instead we're focused on Mandalorian or Din and Grogu and all this other stuff and then all these other weird things. And I mean, what Book of Boba Fett was what about? A little bit longer than six hours. Yeah, right? I think the like main difference. Eight or 10. Yeah, I think the main mm-hmm. difference with this though is that uh, with Boba Fett, he's already a character that everyone knows and loves and has known for decades. Whereas Lona mm. D is literally like a two-year-old character in terms of to like be fair, being introduced. To be fair, we get more screen time of Lona D to start with anyway. Yeah, so that's if you true. love that to begin with, like you know an aspect of the character, mm. and now she's been fleshed out. I would say she's and more. You're... She's probably the most anticipated Nihil character in the High Republic. Like I think most people like Behind her the most Ro, in terms probably. of the, yeah, yeah. I don't even I'd... think Ro is that interesting at this moment. He's getting there. There's too much yeah. mystery behind yes, him. Exactly. They're getting there. And they're releasing a two issue comic uh short about him. Mm. So that'll be interesting we'll to cover too. Yeah, it'll be but that's absolutely the thing. There's a lot of mystery surrounding Ro. So yeah, I can see why Lorna's you know much more center stage, but for sure. yeah, Boba Fett's been around for a lot longer, but I think the point I'm trying to make is when you've then introduced him and changed his character this much, he has no foundation to stand on. Exactly. Yeah. Right. We get hints at it and we yeah. kept saying in episodes, as long as they explain this and do the flashbacks and show us why this character arc's changed so much, mm-hmm. then it makes sense. But they never give us that. They give us an explanation on why he wants to become a crime Lord barely one but enough yeah something yeah but not on why he's changed his personality this much from being cold and uncaring to wanting to be a good guy basically Mm -hmm. that's true and you know it just shows how much of a connection you can have because now like halfway through this book once uh lorna had joined up with the nihil i was like man i'm super invested in her character now Especially with the fact that you then see that she is willing to be a nice person with people. Yeah. But she's 
also it, she's kind of deprogramming herself from the Nihil attitude mm, yeah. and then eventually doubling down on look the Nihil attitude is whatever I want it to be exactly and if anybody yeah not following one not following other just I'm here for me and this is the best way for me to do it and I think mm -hmm. that's a character that a lot of people are looking for right now is just a character that is kind of looking out for themselves and is trying to I don't know trying to get what they're due I guess well, remember what she said, especially this was the the thing I loved about her talks with Wittick, where he's like, <coughs> that's a counselor guy, right? Yeah. yeah. I, mean, he's like, you I know, liked what? Wittick. He was an interesting he's character. Like, what do you want? Because that's where my conflict with it is. I can see how she took it the way she did. Mm. But I was genuinely thinking like he really just wants to help somebody. And from yeah. that perspective, it's just like, you know, I don't have a lot of time left. So I want, even if I want to, even if I'm dying, even if I go and I, that happens, I want to know that even if I save one person, that mm. person can go on and this, something good will happen. Yes, I have no regrets, but I don't see it as being for him at that point because he's giving, if you have months to live, why the hell are you still on this thing? Be like, I retire. I'm dying anyway. Fuck it. Don't need it. But no, you stuck, you stuck it out to do that. Yeah. So I think he was hard done by a little bit, but again, look at her past and you can't fault exactly. her for thinking that way. And right? that that's his fatal flaw is the fact that he keeps the heart problem from her. Yeah. Right. And I feel like if he had told her that when he was like begging her to open yes. up yeah. and that she, she would have been fine and he would have, mm. I don't think she could have shot any of them or no. any one of them at no. that point. At, at that point, I think it would have instead been, she would have put him and Sestin in the pod. In the same pod. Yeah, like, exactly. I'm, I'm sorry. And, but yeah, because it's exactly that. He asks her to open up and she's the most vulnerable she's ever been in her life. And then he keeps something from her. Yeah. Whereas mm. Sestin was just like, I am not even going to tell you to open up. Look at my shit. Mm. Yeah, right? yeah. She's like, I don't, I've been open with you from the start. Exactly. And you've warmed up to me. And now yeah. we're like this. So yeah, yeah. I, and, there was no way she could have shot her. And yeah, and that's why I was shocked when she was like, I, I really wish you, you could see your kids again. And I was like, okay, I am 99% sure this is a red herring line, but holy shit, if you kill Seston, I'm going to lose all the respect I've gained yeah. through this book for you, Lorna. I like, think that's the thing good. about Lorna is that we kind of go on this roller coaster with her in mm -hmm. terms of like she trusts people and then she gets let down and then she trusts people mm -hmm. again and then she gets let down and it happens in the past and in the present yeah. simultaneously and it mm -hmm. is you're yeah. like you're yeah. rooting for Lorna to like make mm -hmm. that progress as a character mm -hmm. and to move forward and to learn that people can be trusted and she just she just can't mm -hmm. you see she just can't. the thing with that there's there's one instance of that where it's it's woolly and that's with the Jedi where they're just like well we will take you to this place. Oh, okay, you don't want to go. Well, if we take you to an outpost, uh, a Jedi outpost camp, it's really far from anything, and you'll kind of just be there, but you won't be mm -hmm. really doing anything or learning anything, so you're going to stagnate. And we don't want you to stagnate. We want you to learn something. So them sending her to Karita, I get from our perspective how brain-dead that sounds, but <laughs> to them, it'd be like, you know what? They have the best intentions. Like, because mm. I think in this era, they still kind of have their heads on as peacekeepers. Yeah, they want to mm. basically... So it's just like, we want to give you them. something good, and we want to give you a chance to learn some skills so that you'll go on and be successful and do something. Yeah, you'll change the but, way that you have been in life. Exactly. But they've never been to Karita, I, I don't think. So they don't know how the shit goes on there. They've done Yeah, they just know his reputation. Yeah, so that that was tragic in that sense, but I... 
I, for her to blame them, it's just like, that's a bit much. Like, they did save and rescue and tried to do something good for you. So give them a little credit. So they don't, they're not the best at doing it. And I think that's a big fault the Jedi have that mm. over the time from now and going into the future, it really starts to snowball into like, they just are just so disconnected from everything. They don't know how anything works. It's sad. Yeah. Um, it's, it's part of the thing we talked about in the last couple episodes of Book of Boba Fett, right? Where it's like the, the biggest upside of Luke's EU Jedi Order mm-hmm. is that he lets them be connected to the universe and to the world so they don't start seeming like everyone seems to see them in High Republic and the prequel era, which is just these unfeeling super soldiers mm-hmm. who don't who are so disconnected from reality they don't understand what's happening. The, the other thing I was kind of curious about, I don't know if it's canon or not anymore, though, but I was like, this might be Opal Rancis's just bias showing because uh, he's the only Jedi master, I think in this era, who can do battle meditation. The I guess so. same thing that yeah, the same well, it's it's from the old comics where they yeah. have the the well, Nikto Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, oh. And so, yeah. Uh there's another easter egg that was hidden in mm. this book. Uh one of the I can't remember if this was the other Tempest one or not, but they called him a Gormak. And I was just like, what, they left Voss finally? Are you kidding me? Oh, that's the Gormak? They're from the old, oh, yeah, I didn't they're from catch the old that. Republic. They're like oh, the guys with like the weird yeah, eyes. Yeah, yeah. And... Yeah, 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 those yeah. guys who you have to go all the way, way across the planet to find yeah, yeah. all the tech stuff, and they're trying to build ships to leave. Yeah, that's right, that, that's right, that's right. But that's, yeah, they left. Cool. Yeah. And so when I heard that, I was just like, so where in this 200 years did you wipe them all out? Yeah, <laughs> maybe like, he was the only Gormag that got away. Maybe, yeah, but I was just like, I forgot like, about uh, those. He, <laughs> it's the same thing with uh, uh, Mass Effect Layer the Shadow Broker. Yeah. He's, the, he's the one Yog, sorry, Gormag that was taken away. So I no, found that really cool yeah. as a shout out. And to see that was just like, okay, cool. They're really like High Republic at this point seems like sprinkles of fan service here and there mm. while really trying to build something original yeah and kevin I'm scott knows his his swator lore as well yeah like he, I, I feel like it. he's played a lot of it mm-hmm. and like just just to know we have people like that who are behind the stories and who've been in that like band position too, trying to figure out this timeline and mm. trying to oh, yeah. put, put everything on paper or put everything on a board before on paper is great yeah. Because, you know, something small like that, like, I can't imagine nobody, anybody who's not played it or anything hears that and they're just like, okay, some some species, whatever. But, like, I've had, had this game for, like, what, the last 10 years? And it's been like, oh, oh, wow, okay. And here, here I am thinking, because this is canon, and this is a canon book, now they're making more and more things retroactively canon for that. Because I remember for a while they're just like, oh, what is the Old Republic? Is it canon? Is it not? And we've always gotten mm-hmm. woolly answers on it. But the further this goes along, the the more it seems like it is, mm-hmm. which throws a lot of questions into some of the things that come way afterwards. I won't be smoking yeah. today, but um, <laughs> <That's> wrong. <Huh? laughs> they're, they're really, really, really setting up a nice shape for before everything. And now mm-hmm. with their TV series and all that, they're really trying to shape the after. Yeah. So it's turning into a, crazy 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 opera and i love it i'm glad mm. that we went back into because we took a break from the higher public for a little bit because we went into visions and then book boba fett and all that mm-hmm. i'm glad we came back with this one. Oh yeah because it's a really good point to come back in and to reintroduce us to all those characters that we haven't listened to or read through for months right mm-hmm. and i feel like it's a really good 
introduction to get to the next part because we're get this is like the halfway point in between phase one part one and phase one part two, two. opening because mm-hmm. then phase two of the high republic has just started mm-hmm. and has released yeah. a lot of stuff and so we're going to be getting to all that but mm-hmm. uh this is the half i think the halfway point in terms of the first phase of star wars the high republic which is really good it's a really good book or yeah, audio yeah. drama i guess and there's a lot of i mean it's something we talked about before but there's a lot of um i guess like cross media references oh, yeah. or appearance or you know appearances right because yeah. we get keith trennis and skier i wasn't expecting them at all i was super and excited when they showed up magnificently skier? Uh, yeah yeah oh, i love keith God. i'm just saying it right now yeah. he's one of my <laughs> keith, favorite yeah he was good no yeah that was my i was like because when they showed up, I was like, oh, cool, Skier. Oh, my God, Keeves here. <laughs> yep. Yeah, Skier, whatever. Sarah and Tarek, they're not they're yeah, literally just guys? mentioned. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And then we discussion. also get, they're, they're, honestly, their contribution is so minor. I completely forgot to mention them in the synopsis. But we also get Biriaga and Nimbusik. At the very back. beginning, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But they're in so little of it. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's cool. It's a wookie. But... You know, I mean, I don't know why they didn't put down on on the little page who voiced the. Um, it was probably Mark Thompson. Who voiced Because oh, because it's assume. just like you know, I love you love to be in there for just like okay, and now Buriaga's lines. Yeah, yeah. Right. You want to sound like a bear, <laughs> dolphin, whale? Okay, yeah, let's go. <laughs> but remember, he's young, so you can't give him the chewy trill or the or the chrysanthemum trill yeah, or the just, tarpaulin. Just sound, he's got to be young bear. Like, yeah, he's sound sound like, like, what's his name? Itchy. Lumpy, no, I can't remember. Yeah, Lumpy. <laughs> what a name! What a name! Um, right. I just want to bring up the Easter egg of the Zygerian slavers because they're in the Clone Wars mm. when we first get introduced to them. And I think yeah. is it Obi Wan who gets captured in the Clone Wars? I can't remember yeah. who it is. It's Obi Wan, it right? It's Obi Wan and Anakin's beside the Queen because she wants mm. to keep him yes. as a pet, pretty yes. much yeah. in her isn't, personal isn't guard. Well? Maybe I think so. I, it's I been think... a long time, but I believe so. Obi-Wan's because Obi-Wan is captured by Obi-Wan's us. yeah definitely captured I don't believe there's a lot of Ahsoka in that whatsoever until oh, the yeah. end all I remember because, is they, they make her wear the blue dress thing. yeah because I think she she's the pet because she's an mm. alien yeah. Anakin's the bodyguard because she likes him because he's cute <laughs> and then Obi-Wan the master can't stay so he's getting put ah, yeah, you he's like gonna that get beaten. Big, powerful he's gonna get beaten, yeah. tries to help the other dude with some soup or whatever and gets the shit shot yeah out of him. I remember that yeah, mm. yeah. yeah no, that, that was sat with yeah. me was interesting little uh, tidbit but see this is what I don't like in Star Wars though because like there's so many times where they'll just put like okay you see a twi- you see it sorry to like Twilight you see one oh you must be a dancer like, no dumbass like you can be like Hera or you could be somebody mm-hmm. just doing their own thing or you could be like Bala or you know there's so many things yeah, oh it's yeah. like you fucking slaver and it's just like <laughs> dude no Wait. such an easy out so yeah. like they can basically they can no, never go anywhere in the galaxy right well, uh, the thing is like because they're cat people as well but mm. they're they're really they're like long they're the bad cat people yeah. versus yeah. cathars who are short cathars, yeah. yeah so it's like but that, that's yeah and that's what i like that's what i was gonna say is that makes it even worse because it's like well we've got the good cat people what flavor furry do you want do you want the good cat people or the bad cat people it's the same thing with Zabrax. <laughs> oh are you from Irigui? Yeah, 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 are you yeah, from yeah. dathomir yeah right? just like what the fuck yeah <laughs> What fl- yeah, exactly. What flavor? I, mean, I mean, in this, they're like Northern they ask, Republic of Ireland. All uh, of a sudden, going at it like. Councilor Wittig asks Lorna D at the beginning. He's like, "Are you from Ryloth?" 
Like, I, or she's, or are you from a colony? Right? Everybody asks her if she's yes, from Ryloth. Yes, yes. And like to be fair, like that is the Twi'lek like, home world, so like mm. that's that's not too far out. But the galaxy is so gigantic, and people are getting like mixed and matched everywhere. Yeah, yeah. It's just like that seems like such a like he said they say that, and I'm just kind of like. Because she's Twilight. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't, don't want to bring. Yeah, I don't want to bring like real politic into this too much. But yeah, I mean, it, it, it starts it, to it reminds, feel a little that way. It reminds me of all the times I've been asked where I'm from. Yeah, <laughs> when yep. I tell them Scarborough, they're like, "No, where are you from?" But that's like, not what I mean. It's like I know what you're trying to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna give you that satisfaction. <laughs> yeah, I was literally born right here. Yeah, yeah. I was born in the far off exotic land of Ontario. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what you want. This <laughs> well, is a public service announcement. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, no, I'm just saying. Like, it, it just reminded me of that. No, it's right? true. Yeah. Like, so, so yeah. and, but that's what we've been saying. Like, that's what High Republic has been doing. And mm. this is, I still think as, but the fact that you get this kind of emotion from, like, this is the way they're supposed to be doing it. Not like, here's some mods, okay? And yeah. no, no, here's some mods. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but oh no, mods. Yeah. What Fine. are their names? Yeah, we'll tell you in the last episode. Don't worry about it. Right, and we only give you two of them because you know they're the only two that matter. We're just gonna yeah. kill off the other ones. So yeah, exactly. But <laughs> going know? back to this though, Pan Ada, what a Terminator of a character! I, I, I love totally Pan Ada. Really, okay. <laughs> I do. I do. I just, I'm just like, we don't get that enough in Star Wars, where it's like, this guy is literally living through hatred. And he, he's Darth Maul. Are you yeah, kidding me? Darth, like, Darth I mean, Sion. <laughs> I mean, sure, sure, but I mean, like, in like recent canon. Like we don't get Darth him. We don't get a, it's not Darth Maul. But he's like, been in Rebels too. Yeah, like, don't that's even, fair. He's been in. The, that's fair. But I'm, I'm you know what I mean. Either. It's not yeah, a trope yeah, yeah, that yeah. is used very often, and it's good to see in a character that's like not a force sensitive character. You know, it's like it's just this big brute well who's literally dude. he's not super smart, but he's cunning. Uh, he's 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 got some right? he's got some intelligence. And it's just like mm. this guy. I, I love the opening scene when he's talking to the guy in the bar. That's and it, it was like the the cowboy music playing in the background. He's like. What do you mean about Lord of D? And he's like talking about Lord of D, and the guy's like, "Yeah, I'm part of our old, I'm part of our old tempest. I'm gonna go save her." And I have this mm. tracker where I know she where she is. And he's like, "Oh, do you now?" Pew pew, and like kills him. And then the droid's like, well, "Wait a minute, thing. he doesn't. It's he doesn't so have good. the. It, it. I mean, it just brings up more questions that we had from uh, the Book of Boba Fett. Where well, because it's like." I mean, I don't know when the technology existed, but he's like, yeah, I know where she is. And I'm like, well, you don't just don't have a tracking fob because now that we found that they can track people across the fucking galaxy. <laughs> yeah, right. Just, okay, spin in a circle. Where's it beeping? Oh, there she is. I actually found like... out how it works, by the way. Oh, yeah? Ooh. Yeah, so let me read it out to you. It's off the wiki. Tracking fobs were short-range sensors used by bounty hunters to track their quarries. Bounty hunters you, who take on assignments gain access to their target's chain code, an identification marker that describes certain biological information. This code drives parameters of tracking fobs which are attuned to this biometric data. Upon the capture of the and delivery of said quarry, a guild operative runs a sensor check on the bounty's body and compares it to the chain code data on the fob, confirming the identification of the acquisition. Okay. I get it. I don't like it. It's yeah. like a DNA sequence, because, I guess. Because think of during the Empire times, right? When remember they needed they wanted everybody to sign up, especially in Bad Batch. When you're going through and they're just like, get your thing here. This yeah, is yeah. your new thing. And it's just like they had people lined up by droves. So remember and remember in um what's the the Starfighter books with um Oh Alphabet? Alphabet Squadron when they mm. when they went back to Coruscant and there was that whole data library they had. Yeah, yeah. Where they basically uh it starts with a C. 
censored or since they took a census of like the entire galaxy yeah, yeah pretty yeah. much like if you wanted that information like the empire's not there anymore they probably just put it up to the hollow net like it's there so yeah. you can that makes it more viable to have these things yeah, it at says, this point, right? It says a chain code was a type of identification marker that contained biographical information on an individual attuned to a subject's uh, specific biometrics. These markers catalog certain features of a person and their history and were used by law enforcement of the New Republic to identify fugitives. These, so the, prob the problem I still have with it, though, is in the description alone. It's short range. So mm -hmm. you still need to figure out on your own what planet they on which makes it so you can't just go from like galaxy. one side of the galaxy to the other you know exactly. like you have to kind of have an idea mm -hmm. of like you where they were last spotted you still need information you need the only thing though. we didn't see in mando which i wish we did because every time they whip it out like, it's when they're right there we don't have yeah. little little bits of like okay where are you getting your information from who are you talking to about what to find well i guess mm -hmm. he had a contact i wish we would have seen a little bit more like, like info broker stuff the build-up exactly Ex I just yeah wanted, yeah like that's the necessary underworld. stuff to eliminate these questions whatsoever it's just like it's like you know because they could have a throwing line it's like and then once you're there you know your fob will do the rest of the work the yeah. short we see that a lot with oh, with okay, dr afra in the comics like she does go to her info brokers quite often and yeah. finds people to get information from because she knows in the game them. The, the bounty hunter game Django fett's constantly going back to the toy yeah, yeah. lady so it's just like because you know but now it explains why in episode one of Mandalorian, why I can't remember the character's name, but why uh, Werner Herzog yeah. says I can give you last known locational data, and right? he, he also gives him four, the last four digits of the Chenko, which is just the birthday of the person. Yeah, yeah, or the age. Sorry, but if we'd gotten a little bit of a description on why that's important, yeah, I mean, obviously not from you know Werner Herzog's character, but later on, or just at some point, right? Mm. Yeah, you need last known locational data because the fob won't activate unless you're close by. That makes more sense to me. Yeah. Because you just but, take out the visa tech anywhere else, and it's like, well, what? What do you want me to do? I can. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's not giving a response because I don't know where they are. Yeah, no. that's the thing we were talking about, right? I need to understand what the limitations of this thing are. Otherwise, it's like, why aren't you using it all the time? Yeah. Also, the fact that it relies on biometric data. See, that's interesting to me because now that we know that, it's like, okay, cool. So if you're not in the system, they can't track you. Exactly. Now, how do you remove? So I can imagine some, if you know you're a bounty, it's like I gotta remove this thing. Yeah. yeah. How do I remove it? And a lot, and a lot of this information there. has come from like um, the episodes, but also um, the guide to season one of the Mandalorian book, as well as the Mandalorian handbook. So like it's reference books, right? So like this yeah. is information that you don't need to necessarily know to actually like watch the episode. And yes, it is though. Not really. Like Oof. it would bog down. It's almost like. I don't know, like, if you were to put all the information from the Dune books into the movie, like, it's so much background information that is not technically needed for, like, a feature film or for a TV series. If you want to find it, though, you can, right? And that's for the people that want to make that extra little, be like, oh, how does this work, right? See, to me, that kind of extra stuff is just like, oh, what speeder were they on? Sure. Oh, you know, what installation was that? And what's, like, the layout of it? Like, I have the exactly. Imperial Handbook yeah, where yeah. it goes through yeah. different ships. It goes through different... um commander ranks and all mm -hmm. that and things like little things like that that really has no impact on what you're watching because they exactly. call him commander whatever they yeah, call him yeah, captain yeah. whatever right but if i want to know the inner workings of a thranta class warship that's on me to find mm -hmm. it mm -hmm. i don't need 50 other people watching the show to know that yeah because most if, of the time it's not plot relevant but if i'm using a piece of technology to find somebody and it's just like you know the warship it's a ship it's a vehicle it takes from one place to the other Tracking fob, what does it do? It finds a guy. Okay, how? Yeah. yeah. Well, we don't just 
you know, ship, we push hyperspace thing goes to hyperspace. This yeah. we just take out and it's like, that's a guy. Yeah. It looks it looks like magic. That's the yeah. problem, right? You just pull this thing out. It's like, oh, I know exactly where he is. It's like, well, what the fuck are the limitations on it? To be fair, <laughs> I think the like average viewer is like, like they just be like, yeah, okay. But like for us that are like really into it, we're like, wait a minute, how, how, how does that work? Is that yeah, that's a little see, crazy. But then, but then if they're yeah, but then when they're dropping deep lore Easter eggs into it, oh yeah, for sure. It it makes it feel at least like they're pandering to people yeah. in our position, right? Oh, yeah. Who really want to know how this stuff works? Because I, I completely agree with that. I've got the cross section books for I think episode sh- one and two, like the ships and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah those and are a lot of fun. Great, I love I love learning about all this minute details that no one's ever going to care about, yeah. except for you know crazy people, but. Yeah, if it's something that's pretty integral to a plot of a show, it you know it's good to to just spend a second on that. See, and the oh, I yeah. wouldn't I wouldn't bring this up if it was like a Jedi using it or whatever because they wouldn't have it or they just have it as a backup thing yeah. if they well, got and, and but especially in that, that case because they actually sorry uh, and especially in that case because they actually basically do have magic. Yeah, right? so exactly. You can kind of, more, whereas yeah. like acceptable. this item is a part of this guy's job. Okay, we see him in that first episode. What does he do? He has his blaster. We know what that does. He has a flamethrower. We know what that does. He has a grappling hook. We know mm. what that is. These are all tricks of the trade. Mm. Thing fob. This is the first time we're seeing one of these from mm-hmm. somebody in this trade. Cool. What does that do? We've seen Ventress in Clone Wars and Rebel and, and all that. She take they take the little disc that they have yeah, and yeah. then it puts a, pic- puck, yeah. a picture of the person and comes yeah. through. He still has those cool but the information is on there we've never seen her use one of those things right yeah right and no to this point up to that point we've not seen any bouncer hunter use that so it's like why are you using that exactly oh it's a short range finding device thanks now i know it's short range that's answered one of my questions uh, ironically as well though i just thought about this do we actually see any bounty hunters in clone wars aside from ventress bounty hunt because I'm thinking about it, and I think most of the times that we see them, they're it's doing more politicking. Like, yeah, they're we've doing side Boba missions though. and stuff. Hmm? Oba and them doing like the princess mission with the Kage isn't that technically a bounty? It's a job. It was, it was a job, but oh, it was protecting politic. cargo. Yeah. Oh, that's true. That's true. Cargo they're they're doing yeah, mercenary yeah. work. They weren't finding it exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it, like true. everything I'm thinking of, like the Seven Samurai episode and like all the other it's things. More just yeah, jobs. they're doing merc work. Yeah. Or, yeah, bodyguard jobs or yeah, protection. But to go find somebody, it's been ventured. Even it's just, in, yeah, even in the books, like it's been because yeah. they're all allied in some kind of syndicate. Nobody's just freelancing except her because she's yeah. got nothing else to do. Mm. Moving, moving uh. back to uh, the audio drama here, we get a lot of stuff with Asgard Rowe, which I thought was really interesting, and like the relationship mm-hmm. between him and Martian, and like the Tempest in general, and the Tempest, the the Nihil in general. Um, mm. I, I just thought it was pretty interesting to see how his father did treat him. And then, like, Martian coming around to that. Have you guys ever seen um, uh, Vinland Saga? No. Vinland Saga, yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, yeah. Canute. Reminds me of, like, the Martian and Asgar situation with Canute mm-hmm. and his father. I like how I was saying, I'm saying, oh, okay, but I don't know who yeah. this character is. Do you remember that? Ed? With uh, Canute's the, the prince. The, Dan- the Danish prince. In Vinland Saga. Yeah, yeah. Who uh, Askeladd and everybody, like, joins up with. Thorkel and everybody. If not, that's Trying okay. Trying to. Keep, keep going. Keep yeah, going. essentially, it's, See, it's very similar in the, in the role of, like, the dad is very much manipulating, um, like, who is going to be his successor. And um, then it kind of gets turned around on them. Oh, the, the, the feminine-looking one. Yes, guy. yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. So that that is very similar to this. 
I've only watched, hmm. I'm on like the last episode of season one and season hmm. two is coming out this year. So I'm not sure what happens after that. But as soon as I heard, like, listen through this, I'm like, oh, that's very much similar to this. And I thought that was really interesting to kind of see, mm-hmm. yeah, the relationship and like what Lorna D had to do to become the Tempest Runner. Mm-hmm. And all that. I thought it was really interesting stuff. See, from seeing this now, I thought Martian kind of blew it out of proportion. <laughs> because I can... <laughs> Maybe I a can little s- bit. No, no, because I can see it from Asgard's point of view where he's just like, okay, if we're going to make this I thing, the family tradition, you got to work for it and you got to live up to it. But every time he's around, it's just like, you're a fucking disappointment. Mm. Like, do the thing. Hey, bring him here. Oh, okay, I'm going to... Whether or not it was orchestrated with him involved in the plan, I don't mm. know. But I can only imagine if he's like, all right, son, I'm giving you a job. Bring that crater guy up here. Could, uh, hey, get up here. Yeah. Oh, no. It's, it's like, fuck, <laughs> can't even bring a guy five feet up. Are you yeah, kidding me? Yeah. Well, it, like, it was it was such a small detail, but yeah, it said so much where he's like, Martian, bring me my sword. Um, Hur- hurry up. Yeah. What the hell like, are you dude, doing? Just bring like, me the yeah. sword. What the fuck is wrong with you? Like, yeah, yeah. The, is, is it this one? And it's not a cute moment to like put the red wire in the blue. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know, I got to explain to you slow so you get it. No, it's just like, you've been here. You know yeah, what to you do. Should, what? You're old enough that you should understand this. Yeah. yeah. So I can see from the desk, it's like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Versus him, it's just like, <laughs> you just hate me. You don't want to do this. It's like, nah, yeah. dude, you really, you, you really come you off with a process pretty big, useless. Yeah. So. The, thing, the thing it reminded me of is, I think the way Martian saw Asgore was the same way that was ba- he thought they had the same relationship with I can't remember his name but the king the the British king in Braveheart mm. who is just like a is a total tyrant to his son and like throws his lover out a window and like all that uh, and then you know is just just a huge asshole to his son right just a mm. monster it like I th- I felt like that's not actually yeah kind of the same thing as you said that's not actually how asgore treated him but how martian saw yeah his father treating that him. was his portrayal so when but th- again this yeah. is why we heard that before so we're going into this and i hear asgore and I was like that's his dad oh that's the dick oh yeah. no that's yeah. just okay He's and just i'm guy, sitting there yeah. just being like all right so he actually enjoys being part of the nihil yeah. from what i can understand yeah because that's the other thing in light of the jedi they made it really sound like asgore was not a raider yeah Asgard, he was just like but he was clearly part of this and he wanted to be and he was enjoying it and then martian hmm. was just like i hate you yeah. fuck you i yeah. hate you <laughs> dude kill well, i'm doing the oh anakin my god are we doing the yeah, yeah. i guess are we gonna do the anakin <laughs> thing again now it's gonna be as it's gonna be martian and anakin but hey, hey, anakin, pretty much because this is like no you my weren't doing too. the basic things he thought you could do he kept mm-hmm. giving you chances to do stuff and yeah. you kept failing him how else did you think he was gonna treat but come on yeah give, yeah. The, guy, give the guy some slack at this it's, point for for as much as lorna's character is elevated in this book martians takes a couple of hits yeah her. honestly and the other thing that I'm, I'm curious about and i you know we wouldn't have a good chance to see it in this book but i'm curious if all of the all the time that Marshawn should have spent learning from Asgar and becoming the leader that he should have, that Asgar wanted him to be, was devoted instead to delving into the mysteries of the Sith. Probably I think we'll get there. We'll definitely yeah, get there. Because it seems like it there's from gotta be a Storm. lot of talk about that. Because see how yeah. easily he's gone into this kind of like snapped mind, and now yeah, he's, yeah. he's crazy, and he's hearing his the worst dad part now, right? Yeah. yeah, which is the best part of it because we're hearing his portrayal of his father of, or yeah. his yeah. view of his dad right where now seeing like, what it, yeah 
and now we see this so it's just like you really are crazy it just it just pushes that back so it's like what kind of like corruption did you develop or get to spending in whatever kind of tome you were reading you know a cursed book or all the places you've been visiting trying to find some kind of way to get rid of them is this all compounding now when you release the thing is it did it kind of mess with you as well so you thought you had control but you really don't like there's a lot of questions that have to be answered but with this kind of exposition you can really see like he's lashing out at everybody and he's like do you like the night hill do you even want to be part of this yeah like care? what is what is your end game mm -hmm. here right yeah which is why, like, I still have a lot of vested interest in Martian because it's just like he's yo, an interesting he... character because we don't know everything, not everything, but we don't know a whole heck of a lot about him. We only mm -hmm. like, get snippets here and there, right, in exactly. the different media, which is interesting way to go about his character because his motivations are still very unclear. And yes, it's just like yeah. we've got one solved now. It's like, well, you hated your dad. Why? Because he wanted you to be a good soldier, or he wanted <laughs> you to be a good son. And in his view, you are really lacking. But in our view, you're not really trying. So, like, what do you want? Even at that age, I'd love to know. It's just like, do you know anything about this so far? Did he mention them? Is he doing mm -hmm. something with them? No. Were you really just a little shit? Like, because <laughs> yeah, that's and, okay, too. And then I want to see your growth from this, if yeah, there exactly. will be any. Yeah, and, and that's why I'm curious if, if that's why he was such a terrible leader in Asgard's eyes at that point, right? Mm -hmm. Because... In Rising Storm, he knows so much about the, the Sith all of a sudden. Yeah. And how there's some sort of tie between his family and them and all this other stuff. And it's like, where did all this come from? Because if it came from between Light of the Jedi and Rising Storm, that's, that's really bullshit. weird. That's, yeah. That'd be bullshit. I, I can't imagine them having such a slip up like that for such a major yeah. character. So, I, again, I hope that's not the case. Mm -hmm. We'll see. Yeah, because the, the only other thing I think Martian's missing right now is a moment where we actually see that he himself is dangerous. We got a little bit of that in Rising Storm, right? Yeah. With his um, manipulation and stuff like that. But every yeah. time he's gone toe-to-toe -to -toe with an enemy who was, like, on par, quotes with him, he's he lost. crumples, like, yeah. immediately. He's not right? a very physically strong or, like, a fighter. He's mm. he's very strong, like, ironically. He's very strong. He's very cunning. Kind of like Panetta, right? Yeah. But Panetta had the muscle to go around with it. Um, yeah, but... It he just has machi oh, sorry, uh, machinations that are playing out, yeah. but they don't always work out, which See, is interesting. If, yeah. Sorry. No, I'll let you go first. Oh, appreciate it. Um, uh oh, I forgot. Oh, no, there it is. <laughs> um, but yeah, because, you know, yeah, having those machinations and all that other stuff is fine. And, you know, not being a physical fighter, we've seen plenty of Star Wars villains who can do that. But 90% of the time when that's the case, they're backing it up with force powers, right? Mm -hmm. Or something, some yeah. Yeah, usually some sort of Sith sorcerer or like a Palpatine or Palpatine in the original trilogy because in the prequels he's a monster, right? Yeah. But it's yeah, it's very much like okay, well if you're not a hand to hand fighter, you're a something else fighter, right? Mm -hmm. Amazing shot or crazy tech or force powers. Martian doesn't have that. So far, Martian has hidden hidden blade syringes. That's about it. I think yeah, that's he's... the big thing. Sorry, just a quick kind of tangent off of that. Um, in uh. I think something that would kind of offset that for Martian, which would be interesting, is having somebody that like devotes themselves to him. But we don't really get that because Martian pushes everybody away and treats them like shit. The closest remember the only that... thing was the doctor on the mm. ship. But even yeah, then, right, the yeah, even even then, like that's not somebody that can be the muscle for him. Like you yeah. need like the... like a Panetta type character to be 
by his side. So then as if somebody does get close, they aren't getting anywhere near him because this yeah. character is going to destroy them. Well, we've got we've got a hint of that, right? Whatever this um, thing is. This yeah, the, this forced devour, I don't know what it is, thing is. Yeah. But... That's a tool. Exactly. And there's a big difference, I think, between having someone that then props up the main villain and the main villain being the one who props himself up. Right, no, right? definitely. I just think, I, I think adding a, like... If he's not going to prop himself up with like an ability to like, be oh able yeah, to then fight, at the very least you have a barrier between them, that, right? So yeah. it's very hard to get to them. Yeah, because otherwise, what's stopping anyone from exactly. just you know taking them out and taking them? Because Go ahead, Ed, yeah. On one side of the spectrum for like the cunning and manipulation and plans within the plans within the plans within the plans, you have Palpatine. Yeah, oh who's yeah, who's got that for days. On the other hand, and somewhere, somewhere in the middle, you've got. Um, because on the other hand, you have Panetta, who's got the cunning, but doesn't take the time to plan within the plan within the plan. So like, this cunning thing will work. Oh, shit, it didn't. Fuck. Beat the thing up. Success, 50%. Failure, 50%. In the middle, you got Lorna, who's got the brains, got the cunning, got enough backing behind her to get stuff done. It might take her a little longer, and she might have to improvise. It's somewhere between her and Palpatine, you have Martian. Who's got the plans within 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 the plans mm -hmm. within the backup plan? <laughs> and yet, you know, plans A through T have failed. Okay, I need a bit of time before I come up with the other plans. Okay, but you need to deal with the thing now. Can't. I haven't told anybody about plans, you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. L through T. 1 through so 65. At, yeah, so that, at that point, they, they can't do anything to help. I mean, if I tell them now, it's it's going to backfire with all those other plans because now I need to involve them and change all yeah, those. Yeah, it's a lot, of, so it's it's a lot like, of trying. He's trying to have that manipulation, but he's not there He's yet. trying to be too perfect. And yeah. in doing that, he's always setting himself up for bullshit. For sure. But, mm. you know, he's not got the muscle or the skill because he would have got that from dad if he had actually paid attention <laughs> uh, to back any of that up. So he mm. needs his three Tempest Runners, but he's successfully lost his Tempest Runners. Two of them. Kind of. At least two of them, because Lorna, I, she's just a Tempest. She's there, but she's not going to take any shit from him. So, and he's yeah. got the one other dude who's in the power suit who... No, nine ships. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Right? So I mean, to be fair, Lorna has one ship, but we know it's not no. going to stay that way. No, yeah. Lorna, give her two days. <laughs> yeah, she's going to have a lot of people joining up with, with her. Fleet. So it's I, I want to see Ro get some sort of like maybe not Sith, but like dark force user or something like that. The way mm -hmm. like this is from me playing Jedi Academy and Republic or and uh, Battlefront 2 again, where like, you know, he finds some artifact or something like he's already got mm -hmm. the, the box that releases this like mist dog thing. Yeah, force yeah. Training thing. What if he finds like a staff or some kind of something similar to the dark saber you know that imbues him with more power or something like that it'll warp his mind even more maybe snap it so he yeah. might jump from one end of the spectrum to the other yeah and just become some crazy force that they just have to defeat you know what you just made me think of mm -hmm. and i don't know how i feel about it yet but i think by the time i get there on that well by the time it comes out we'll know what if he's the acolyte 
I hope that would be not interesting. In the movie. That would be I interesting. really hope not. Because I'm just thinking, like, from older canon stuff. Because the way you're talking about it, it is very much like a Sith acolyte or like a, a dark the, side. The, the Legends uh, Dark Inquisitors, yeah. Mm-hmm. Where it's it's less an actual Sith and more of just some guy who barely has any Force knowledge who just gets a bunch of Sith artifacts yeah. and gets quasi-powers from there. Because right. I'm thinking of... Uh, what's his name? From... This time? Uh, yeah, yeah, from the Kyle, the first Kyle Katarn game. Yeah. The big... Yeah. The big um, I don't know if he was Trandoshan, Doden, or whatever, but he... Mm. The big dude, yeah. The Tyrannosaurus Rex-looking kind of guy. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's what it reminds me of, is, like, I'm not really a Sith, but Palpatine told me I am. Yeah. I've got a power and a half that I'll use on you. It's almost like the new canon Inquisitors, too. Like, they're... Or well, they're, they're, all they were Force Jedi. Jedi's, but they yeah, yeah. then turned to Inquisitors, but they weren't technically Sith. They were kind of in between, right? They were Force yeah, users, though. Yeah, yeah, they were Force Jedi users, but, at that yeah. point. Yeah, because yeah. they're still using Force powers, but not, like, Sith power. Yeah. Through themselves, yeah, so, not through an artifact, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's the equivalent of, in Legends, the, the Hands of the Emperor. Right? Yeah. You'll be really kind of interesting. Mm. I, I don't know why I think this. I think it would be kind of interesting, but kind of stupid, but, like, Momen... Remember that mask from the comics? The mask of Momen? Yeah. Like the, the Sith Lord moment that Darth Vader eventually gets mm. and all that stuff. It'd be, like, yeah. it'd be interesting if like Martian like finds something, either that or something else, tries mm. it to put it on because, you know, the mask thing with the Nihil. Mm, yeah. And then, then like it then takes him over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be like, okay, now we have a Sith Lord that's going to be starting to destroy shit. Like we need yeah. to figure this out. That'd be interesting. That would be interesting. Yeah. It, basically at that point, it is that it's that acolyte darking, dark inquisitor from Legends who's just gotten something that would have made a Sith terrifying and just makes him like, oh God, that's not supposed to happen. Yeah. I want to piggyback off your idea about Ro being in the Acolyte. I don't hmm. think he will be the Acolyte, but I think he will be the problem the Acolyte needs to deal with before becoming an apprentice. Hmm. Because Ooh, okay. you're going to deal with somebody who's got some force things going on, but is not hmm. strong enough to either control or and or use them. So hmm. because we know this is the era of where the Jedi start their big decline right yeah so you know they they easily think lorna d is the eye of the nihil so they're focusing on her oh she's dead no she's not okay so the eye's back we gotta mm-hmm. take care of her this deception works for roe because he can keep going off and doing whatever he has to do mm-hmm. but you know let's say they captured uh, lorna d well why have we heard the nihil anymore because they're gone what happened to roe well the sith are working in the shadows too and they bump into each other in the shadows and like yeah i've been hunting you because you've been doing some shit that's making my master pissed off mm-hmm. and now i gotta deal with it so i can move up and I can learn more. So you're in my way. Oh, well, I need these artifacts. Well, I need that artifact. Here we go. Yeah. I need to stop you or whatever thing like that. I'm going to tie both of your ideas together. And at this point, this is just, we're, I'm just fantasizing at this point. Yeah. But if we're tying both your ideas together, I would love if the plot of the acolyte is, Hey, Tenebris, if you want to become a full, fully inducted, I need you to get the mask of moment off of Martian Rowe. And then that's how it ends up in the the kind of reliquy or whatever. Exactly. That's how Sidious yeah, knows about circle. it. Because yeah, yeah. Oh my god, that'd be interesting. And like if they that bring, would be... yeah, Charles Soule is part of this, so I could totally see him doing that. He's he's the one who wrote Light of the Jedi. See, oh, okay. the only the only thing I I I hope it's some kind of artifact. Momen strikes me as more of an architect that imbues darkness into something or anything like mm. that. So. Unless they're trying to build a massive structure of like destruction, mm. right? Then I could see definitely see it being something worthwhile. Yeah. If, I, if, <laughs> if not, then it would just kind of be random. He'd show up and be like, 
what can I do? And it's just like, you're here to give me power. I don't want to do that. Yeah. I just, yeah. I just thought of a justification for that, for that architect thing. And I hate it so much. I like, because I was like, <laughs> you have to get the mask of moment because without the mask of moment, we can't build the death star in 150 years. Oh my God. <laughs> I would, that I would actually hate that. Like, I don't, I don't think it would go that far to have been built with dark side powers. Nah, we just need the Geonosians. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, any other thoughts about uh, Tempest Runner? Well, I mean, we got real far off the mark from it. We did a, bit, but... a few times, but that's okay. I think we did a good yeah. discussion on like the characters, it... the arcs. Maybe we could talk hmm. quickly about um, Sestin, the new Slicer character. Great uh, character. It's not that's Sestin. Quinn. Sorry, that's Quinn. let's yeah. say that again. I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, no, I'm gonna divert you here because I did actually want to talk about Sestin a little bit. Okay, let's let's let me, let me take that again here. <laughs> what do we think about the character Sestin? Yeah, she was an interesting character. I it. This is not a slight against the voice actress, but mm. I thought she was a lot younger than she actually turned out to be. Yeah, Me a too. little bit too. Once yeah. you mention the kids, but even still, she could be young. And young yeah. in the sense of like late. She'd be in her. I think it sounds like forties. Forties would be would be yeah. the most normal thing for arm brains to comprehend. Yeah, that's that true. Well, yeah, because she says that in the photo they were both eight or eight. The one of them was eight because they'd be twenty something at this yeah, point yeah. now. It's yeah, been twenty years be since you see them. Yeah. yeah um yeah i mean it was a nice character it it was interesting because it started off as being kind of generic to me where it was just oh okay well they're both from the same race so they're gonna stick together but then it starts you know ramping up and up and up because she keeps pressing and asking questions and then i really like the point there's a point you know where lorna says like why you even why do you keep talking to me why do you keep asking me these questions Mm. and she just says like because no one else is going to right and I do. I do want to at least look out for you, and I think that's that's where you get that bond forming with her, right? Mm-hmm. Of being like, oh, she's actually just looking out for me, mm. and I don't actually have to give her anything in return. And then eventually, that bond forms and forms. And yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to go on about it too long, but man, I was just I was so happy that she actually got out because well, I see, was. That there you go. Her yeah. doing that was her paying for her ticket out of that situation. Mm-hmm. In in Lorna's eyes, at the end, anyway, it's just like, oh yeah, eh, you've done enough. Leave, right? But there there were there were so many moments because they they also they really make it seem like when Panetta first ambushes, I her, thought that, they shot her. I thought yeah, she was yeah. dead. Yeah, they yeah. Her, that was a really good misdirection. Yeah, seriously. Well, Tasia okay. was like, yeah, we we yeah. just nothing her. She's not coming back. Yeah, and she showed up with a blaster. Yeah, like, so you assumed her then. Yeah. But that, yeah, that was a really, you're right, that was a really good uh, red herring. Um, but yeah, especially with that character trope. They, like, Caven Scott must have known, well, I'm, I think he really did know what he was doing, but it, it, you put in that character trope, and so many people from Simpsons and every other time we've ever seen it, of saying, oh, I'm two weeks away from retirement, of getting out of here, and I finally go find my kids, you're like, fuck, they're going to die. Yeah. So being able to, to then turn it around to, to Wittick was uh, was a very, very nice touch, I think. What do you guys think about Quinn? The slicer. Eh. You know what? She's a good, a good addition to the, the mm-hmm. cast, I think. But see, here's the thing. like, She's not psychopathic crazy like them. She's really just trying to survive. Because yeah. remember, they're mm-hmm. in the line. She's like, this ain't for me. Now I'm getting the fuck out of here because I'm having a panic attack and I need to go and all the droids mm-hmm. show up. And it's just like, hey, what you doing? It's like, How many stuff uh, do you want? <laughs> um... Oh, it won't be so bad. You don't know what a stun ball feels like, do you? Oh, yeah, shut up. Uh, <laughs> hearing all this, because you're not gone too far. Yeah. Damn it. Okay, I'll, I'll get back. Yeah, I'll get back in line. All right, cool. What are you going to do? Oh, yeah, I told her. So, you know, 
if Henry kills me, she'll tell. I don't think she would have told. Uh, I think unless she had gotten no. there really early, she'd have been like, "Fuck, fuck, fuck." She's gonna count yeah. me next. What do I do? What do I do? Oh, I thought about it too long. She's here now. Um, no, she just seems like she's there because either wherever she was, she got caught doing something wrong, or mm. bad place, wrong time, whatever it was, and she's ended up here. Shit, make the most of it so I don't die. Yeah. Like she seems to me like one of those characters. So, like character. she'll. She'll do enough to save her skin, yeah. but she ain't actually there to help. No, no, definitely so with, not. With, with the whole slicing of the droids and everything, I was just like, yeah, no, this is going to be the winning side, so whatever. Okay, good. Yeah. This is it. I'm going to do this, and this is the only thing I'm going to do, and keep my head down, and that's it. Very similar to the Dino aspect, though. Well, she also gets the reinforcement of it, right? Because yeah. when the prisoners are trying to escape, one of the the well prisoner Nihil goes up to the other one. It's like, oh, don't worry, I ride the storm too, and just gets shot. And yeah. So she's like, whoa, okay, yeah. <laughs> I can't. Yeah. I literally can't join this one side because they'll just kill me. Yeah, yeah. So, so um, it's not 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 to, not necessarily one dimensional, mm-hmm. but probably a reaction like a lot of normal people would have in yeah. that kind of situation. Oh, yeah. So she's she's not irrelevant. But I don't think she's a special character that we really need to get, delve in too deeply. Yeah. Like she's she's got that surface, and that's all you're gonna see. I and can't see them going any any further into that. At least not making them more evil. Because you're right as yeah. well. Because like when when she's confiding in Seston, I'm I can't remember fully, but I think she says just like I've always liked slicing. I just I just can't help myself, and that's why I kind of joined the Nihil because enough people get after you after you slice enough government you know data banks and stuff mm. that where else was i gonna go but i think i think the biggest problem with quinn's character and it's not a huge problem but her character development comes way too late because by the time yeah. it's happened lorna's already in uh the isolation cells right yeah. mm-hmm. and i don't so think we, she was we, meant to have that big of a character arc but like she's just like that tertiary character that yeah they they set her up afterwards now that she's a storm and technically that means she's gonna have people working under her yeah yeah uh, i mean we don't know i i could also see it being like yeah she's a, a crew storm, of droids i can see that because that fits in with lorna's profile as well mm-hmm. so i could see her becoming a close member of of lorna's circle yeah, yeah. maybe but just on, on like tactics and stuff like and they just bounce ideas off each other mm-hmm. at that point that's it. it's like she'll be in charge of like okay the ship needs this and this and this and this. I know how to do it. Let's do this together. I got to take off. You know what you're doing. I can trust mm. you to do it. Yeah. Look after the ship. Yeah. And I'll, I'll find more droid parts for you to make more of an army. Yeah, yeah. Like at the point she's at, I, you know, I don't think any of us could see her doing anything that like Lorna or Genix or any oh, yeah. of the, the acts that they do. Right. But we'll see. Who knows how her character will progress. We'll have to see next time on the next High Republic. Book I think they have comic. to really drug her up to make her do anything crazy, <laughs> mm-hmm. which yeah, they basically. do. So I I can't see them not. But mm-hmm. the final thing I want to say is just like mm. if ev we need more. This almost seemed like a cold open with that bar scene, and I hope they do more things like that because I knew it was Panada, but I tried to turn my brain off. Of yeah. It. Okay. Let's say you don't know this and just listen to this story. And even because the droid bartender was just kind of standing there doing his job. And then as the story went on, he started to get more invested. And you could hear him actually asking questions about the things. It was like, wait, mm-hmm. hang on now. And start well, starting to drop the, the guise of not knowing. Yeah, yeah, where it's just like you were just you were just asking about drinks before. Now you're just asking about other things. And it feels to me like the picture I had in my head was just like dusty old like small bar. Maybe like there's the bar rail, yeah. a couple tables, and that's it. And the swinging doors of a saloon yes. and everything like that too, right? I got that vibe too. But then... 
but then he's sitting there and even the bartender's kind of just like leaning against the table now being like, yeah, what else happened then? This is interesting. <laughs> well, who are you going to tell out here? Come on, tell us more. Tell us more. Yeah. Because he shoots the droid after as well. Yeah, yeah. And it was just like, why? Now no, nobody no. except me knows. Yeah. yeah. So I, I just, that was a really good opening for it because mm-hmm. I thought at, at one point, the guy who came in, they made him see not not talent card almost like but there's there was another oh you've have have you read the first uh throne book noma the the new one uh, the newest one. i think three yeah, quarters yeah. of it yeah the, just just thrown from the from the from the revamp oh yeah yeah i'm i'm not fully done it but yeah okay because to me it almost seemed like a night swan character who walked in yeah. i thought he was there to hunt oh, panada yeah. before yeah that was just good. to be like I'm recruiting people for a thing. What are you gonna do? Oh yeah, we're we're looking for this guy Panada. You know, we don't think he's dead. We want to go find him. And just for Panada, <laughs> be like, eh, yeah, bet yeah, I'll come with you. You know, yeah, why mm-hmm. not? This should be entertaining or something like that, right? Or it's just like, yeah, yeah jokes on you. I'm here for you. Exactly. Yeah, like like some kind of bounty hunter or something, right? Where it's just like, oh, it didn't turn into that. Okay. Well, you know, I I was deceased for good enough, but like, <laughs> man, I was hoping for something like yeah. that just to start it off with the bang. Because you know it's him. So it's like, yeah, we want to make yeah. sure you're dead. As soon as you hear yeah. the voice, as soon oh, as yeah, you hear the 100%. voice, you're like, yeah, damn, yeah. it's it's definitely Panada. Hmm. All right. So now that we kind of wrap that up, the last thing I'm going to say is I know I'm in full Star Wars mode because you said deceived, and I just immediately started seeing the, the Swotor trailer in my head. Yeah. Deceived. Now, <laughs> uh, just when he was still cool. <laughs> All right. Venzal, I wish we got to know more about him, but that's... Mm. <laughs> oh well stupid move they got him what did you think was gonna happen when he pirouetted to come yeah i know right dumbass <laughs> you should have learned from sekiro i mean uh <laughs> <laughs> didn't work for genichiro both times he tried it <laughs> all right so with that tangent let's head into the rankings welcome to the ranking section of this podcast it's been a it's been a minute since we've done something like this yeah but uh yeah so as always, we're going to give a rating out of 10 on what we thought this book was compared to all the other books from High Republic we've read so far. And uh, Dan, let's start with you because I can see your numbers there. <laughs> yeah, I'm like the only one who puts it in right away. Uh, That's right, man. I gave it a 7 out of 10 because I feel like it gave us a good story. It also gave us a lot to know about Lorna and Martian and mm. like Asgard, everybody, right? Um, it really gave us, you know, it put an end to Panada, hopefully. Um, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> and introduce some interesting characters and some side tangents as well. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I just, I felt like it was overall solid. It was it was a good audio drama, and mm. I can't wait to see what is coming up right after this in terms of the higher public. So, yeah, I gave it a 7 out of 10. Oh, dude, this is good. This is going to be good. Uh, Noah, you want to mm-hmm. go next? Uh, I will absolutely go next. I gave this one an 8.5. What? And, well, the main reason I was thinking about it and looking at my past rankings, and I gave Light of the Jedi an 8, and I gave uh, Into the Dark and Rising Storm uh, 8.5. And the reason I gave both of those ones 8.5s, plot and everything else aside, was because I think the main thing that really made me enjoy those two books was the character development. Mm. Because I love Wreath's character development in Into the Dark. Yes, it was really good. Yeah. And for Elzar's character development in Rising Storm and 
you know, all the other, even um, Stellan's, even though, like, we kind of discussed kind of dumber, so. yeah. <laughs> yeah, even though Stellan's wasn't great, it, it was, was there. Still nice to see, yeah, it was still nice to see him kind of doing stuff, but Lena So and a bunch of other characters, I loved how their characters worked. Um, and I can't remember what was uh, Lena's son's name because his was really good too. Ooh, I can't remember. Oh. Yeah, she, he was with uh, Reed, wasn't he? No, no, his he was with son the, was going on with another politician. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. that's right. The guy, the guy he was crushing on. I can't yeah. remember either of their names though. Unfortunately, Reed saves them. No, yeah, Reed eventually them. saves them. Yeah, Bell saves them. Um, not Reed. Reed was. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. You're right. It was Bell. It's Bell. Yeah, Bell Zedekar. Zedekar. Yeah, Zedekar with Ember. Yes, Ember the doggo. Yes. Um, but yeah, so because of those reasons, I was like, you know what? I like, the, like Lorna D gets such, such a character upgrade in this book that I think it also deserves an 8.5. I mean, like I said, it was a little bit cliched at first. You know, I've had a hard life. Everything was ripped away from me. I've got a friend who has kids that she wants to see all that kind of, but it gets more and more interesting later on. And just being able to watch because I didn't know. And kind of like Dan said, we go into this with Lorna, right? With the ups and downs. And mm. I didn't know where her character was going to go. And I don't even think she knew in which Not direction she wanted to go. The only person who knew was the author, right? It's such a ride. And it's, it's a character development where again, knocking on book of Boba a little bit. I can understand why her character made all the choices that they did. Yeah. After one read through, well, mm -hmm. listen through. Can't say the same book of Boba Fett. So with how good the character development in this book is, I yeah, I think 8.5 is definitely what nice. I want to give it. Yeah. And hey. so with that, Ed, what about you? Man, I think we have to mark the day. That I this am the lowest historic? ranking ever? No. No. Oh. No, it's the opposite. That no oh. is the highest ranking out of all three of us. Because I was with Dan. Oh. I gave it, I'm giving it a seven as well. Dang. Oh, okay. Just because... <laughs> and I think all three of our reasons are really different, mm. which is awesome. Um, For me, it was more so... I wasn't going into it with, like, looking for character development like Noma. I wasn't going into it like Dan... It was more so it's just like, I see audio drama. Huh. Mm. I don't think I've listened to an audio. Like, there's been a couple, like, um, Last Shot had a couple mm. or a few voice actions. I think it was just three. Yeah. Where, but it still had parts of, like, narration. This has no this narration. This is, this is like it, a this play you just, would see on stage. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what audio so dramas are. Yeah. I just, I just wanted to sit back and enjoy this one. And I think for being, like, the first drama, it's almost like, I have nothing I hate about it. I have, like, it was a good story. It was it. So, like, seven is just like that. You were, you were solid, like, mm. good. Mm. If, and he, this is the only thing where it's just like, if you had taken, I'd have loved to have, like, a whole, like, maybe not like the half episode Boba Fett in the past and half in the, but like, you know, mm. part one, here's Lorna all backstory. Yeah. Yeah. Part two how the hell did we end up here? And it's just like, you know, if you went, if you started off with a little like prologue of where she is, gone into part one of all the past stuff, part two. So like you have the part one intermission, part two, and then we have everything that happens on the ship. Yeah. Mm. Because I did find myself at some parts, I had to stop and go back and yeah. be like, wait, where are we again? And why? And you can't do mm. that in a play. 
it, yeah, it is very jarring. Because some of the again, shift. in my head, trying to portray all of this onto just like you know a visual kind of like okay, here's my visual stage and here's the characters moving about. Mm. It was like okay, we just we've put this setting up. And then instead of just rolling into the next one, we've just kind of lifted it, moved this one in, swapped that out, put this one back down. And it's just like, that's... Yeah, it's up to you to figure it's, out. It's really that. busy, right? Mm. And so if we had just cleared them into part one and part two, it didn't have to be two separate books. Just give me an intermission in the middle, part one, part two. The intermission would have been like, you know, Martian trying to reach, hey, Lorna, where are you? Lorna, where are you? Okay, honey, Lorna. Okay, other guy, you know? Because that was mm. the epilogue. But even if you just had like a little snippet of them before, just like talking about where they're going to meet up and then they meet up in the spot and then the epilogue Lorna just shows up there. Then I could be like, okay, cool. I'm not saying change the story. I'm just saying hmm. split it up. Yeah. That way you yeah, have it, it is, a surprising. Yeah, it is surprising how she's it. Like the, I guess we kind of glossed over the negatives, but yeah, the, the only two problems are that I had with it were, yeah, like how does Lorna know where they are and how did Panetta get all those resources? Exactly. Um, but right. yeah, you're right. So, like, at least for, like, you could have the beginning of part one, mm. the, you know, oh, what's happening? What's happening? The escape that Buddy is talking about. So, you can still be talking with Panada and all that. And mm. that leads into, like, her getting caught. And it's just like, oh, why are you here? <laughs> where do I even know where that? Like, she's having that. You're probably wondering how, yeah. <laughs> the inter oh, yeah, the interrogation with the Mon, uh, the Mon Calamari. Yeah, movie, yeah. Right? And then from there, and that is your perfect segue into the whole of part one yeah for just that and then you get in the middle intermission or you could just go right into part two and that's where you you go back to pen and it's just like all right now he's recruiting because he started off part one so have him start off part two mm -hmm. and we know what he's doing and it's just we need a timeline and yeah. when we hear they're onto the planet and everything like that, okay, things are starting to converge. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. As opposed you to know, him just showing, showing up, up out of fucking again, nowhere. Like, Kevin yeah. Scott has only done a handful of books for Star Wars, and damn, he does a good job. Like, it was mm -hmm. good. I, I honestly enjoyed it. That's why like, oh, I'm yeah. not knocking it or anything. I'm just like, I just wish it was, like, I I wish I wasn't losing the plot too much. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Back and forth. That's it. Yeah. That's yeah. The and then also to your other point, like, you know, I, I think that that's a good roundup of what we all think. Uh, but something that you mentioned that I, I just wanted to add on to because I'm a huge show for it. Like, yeah, I think this is the second best audio drama that I've ever listened to. What was the other one that you've listened to? Oh, Hunger is the best one. Uh, Hunger is a... I, I do want both of you guys to listen to it at some point. Dan listened to a little bit of it. Oh, the... Uh, the, the, yeah. the yeah. It's, it's Warhammer. a Warhammer 40k audio drama that stars the Flesh Terrors. And okay. I'm super biased. Because I love the Flesh Terrors. It's They're the really most, good. It, it, but it's so... Yeah, exactly. Like, And even Dan saying that, as someone who doesn't know a lot of Warhammer, it's done so it, well, and the voices are so fucking Even good. you just talking about it right now, I can <laughs> yeah. like imagine like the pictures in it. my head of everything that was mm. happening in the first like 15 minutes of it, 30 minutes of it. Yeah. So I was just oh, like, damn, this it's is like very good. vivid. Yeah, it, very it vivid. does such... Exactly, vivid. It does such a good job of painting the picture of what's happening. Mm -hmm. And you need that in a drama because like, if, yeah. if the voice actors can't get that across, there's no narration to back you mm -hmm. up. So if you do a poor performance, it shows. Yeah. So you need to be on the ball with and, that. And the and, thing about that too is that the description of the area and the places you are and the sound effects that are in it mm -hmm. help with understanding and picturing what is where the characters are in the setting because they don't tell you mm. Aboard, yes. aboard the Lorna yeah. D or like whatever like they don't exactly. say that it's just, all, all the fight scenes in this book are very vague because yeah. they never say what's really happening but you piece it together okay. as you listen through yeah. it right as opposed to hunger where 
yeah, there's there's a point where someone's fighting a dreadnought, and they are describing the action perfectly of this guy trying to take one out with a weapon that can maybe do it. Yeah. Okay. And it's, yeah, it's so good. Yeah, one of these days, I definitely want because I, I stopped halfway through showing Dan Hunger because I was like, I want Ed to listen to this too. Okay, but maybe yeah, we'll buy knows, it maybe... on Audible with our free credit. I already yes, <laughs> given more money, I need hey. more hunger, folks. All right, but uh, yeah, with that in with that very very uh, abrupt tangent, let's head into the outro. Welcome to the end of this week's episode. If you've stuck around this long, as always, thank you so much for doing so. We really appreciate it. Next week, we're going to be continuing our Temple Archives literature with a book that Dan is going to... uh, Trying to think of a nicer word than cream is shorts, but yeah, he's going to love because we are going over... All over the place. (laughs) Yeah, all over the place. And I am going to rant for five solid minutes on the position of the lightsabers again as we jump into (laughs) the Star Wars manga Edge of Balance Volume 1 yes Uh, it is going to be very interesting I'm I you know as much as I I love to knock on how those lightsaber positions don't make sense I am very excited to read this as well also it is the first manga we've ever covered on this podcast uh, not true. Uh, <laughs> Lost Stars. We didn't, yeah, we didn't do the manga specifically. We didn't do the manga specifically, it, but... I this, was mentioning it like crazy, so that's true. I consider that. That's we're true. just going to see this Jedi go through all her this is the, Okay, this is the first original <laughs> manga we have covered on this podcast. How about that? It's fair. No, it's fair. but okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, if you have any thoughts or comments or anything you want to tell us about what you thought of this week's episode, we'd love to hear from you. And Dan is going to round out this episode by letting you know how you can contact us. Yeah, you can find us over at voiceoftheforce.com, where you can find our episode posts, a contact form, a little bit about us, a little paragraph that we've done each, and we've made little avatars for ourselves. You can also find our shop on there to find any merchandise you'd like to purchase. As well, you can find us and send us an email over at the email voiceoftheforce at gmail.com. That's again, voiceoftheforce at gmail.com. Social media, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at voiceforcepod. And if you retweet or repost on your stories, our new episode tweets and or posts on Instagram, it does help with growing the listener base and opens up the discussion to more people. We'd love to hear any feedback that you guys have on this episode or any previous episodes we've had in the past. We will read it on the podcast and have a little discussion about it. We'd love to have a little bit more voices from the community on here, and that is the best way to do it. You can also help us out by listening, rating, reviewing, and following the podcast on the podcast platform of your choice, including Apple Podcasts, Audible, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Amazon Music, and all major podcast platforms. If you review us with five stars and a comment on any of those platforms, it helps people find the podcast and we are eternally grateful. You can also follow for free on any of those platforms to get the latest episode as soon as it releases. Thank you, Dan. And remember, no matter how much character growth you have, no matter how many arcs you go through, it is super important that you name your ship after yourself as many times as it takes. 
you know, just be a failure like Mike Shandro and then it's all good.